As classic 80s television comes to a close, we still get Hot Shots 2, Hangover 3, and Fast and Furious 6 this week on 302010. Hello everyone and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. Taking you on an audio journey of the pop culture past, 30, 20, and 10 years ago of this very week. It's uh, a great place to see how we've grown and how we haven't grown and what what, what of our favorite stuff debuts or says goodbye. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Danny Kidman and Donna Martin Gadgemates. We're swallowing. God damn it. What, oh. am, I, what am I protesting again? Oh, she should Gadgemate. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and these men have lived their lives in strict celibacy just like their fathers and grandfathers before them don't know if i understand that yet but there was a lot to get to this week oh my god uh summer movies are kicking off yes. hardcore and memorial day weekend everybody and it's looking like in our first two segments which still resemble the monoculture a bunch of television shows say goodbye and i think every year we do this you see kind of like the end of the 80s in the early 90s. That television that defined the 80s waves goodbye right about now. It's almost entirely over. But we have so much to look forward to and so many movies I could recommend. Well, two. But <laughs> but uh, I can't wait to tell you guys more. Thanks once again to our patrons at patreon.com slash lasertime. Uh, five bucks, all we ask. We're making new stuff for you right now. Thank you so much. Let's get started with 302010 because this is a big segment. Uh, lots happening in 1993, 30 years ago. May 19th to the 25th, including perhaps one of the best, the biggest uh, TV finales that had ever happened. I would say we'll see bigger yeah. ones, but like, yeah, yeah true television not phenomenon. Much for not for much longer. Like yeah. we talked about last week, the, the end of uh, you know the Office is a beloved show. It kind of right. became more beloved after it was gone, but it, its finale kind of like eh. And I think this I feel was, like this is the last really big finale. It wasn't major news. I, I would say Seinfeld was the last major oh, major. Yeah, I, right. I, I agree. Right. Okay, Seinfeld and Friends. Seinfeld and yeah, Friends. For sure. Let's not forget those. Friends the, is definitely and this is a passing of the torch we're gonna talk about with Friends. The so. thing I didn't add, which I wish I would have said we were talking about the end of the office and like, oh yeah, we didn't even recognize that ten years ago. All of us, basically, many of you listening, were basically, this is your last time caring about must-see TV, like the end of the Thursday night block, on which is all over this segment in three different decades, you know? like, and mm -hmm. I, But what I figured out, like, I'm sure there are people, there probably are still comedies on NBC on Thursday. I don't know. I'm not there. I, I can't that. even stream it. <laughs> you uh, know, it's weird. I have good feelings towards NBC yeah. as like a television network mm -hmm. in a way I completely do not have with ABC or CBS. Yeah. Like, Fox I grew is up different, with the but uh, Cosby yep. and uh, uh, family ties mm -hmm. and all those shows. And then it morphed into cheers and then Seinfeld and then friends and ER. And for whatever reason, NBC as a corporation, the tonight show, and uh, mm -hmm. Late Night with David Letterman oh, and we'll then Late Night with that. Conan Bryan. That's where it comes from, I bet. That's mm -hmm. where I like associate the network with something. Like right. NBC has a feel to me mm -hmm. in a way CBS does not. Exactly. A like even mm -hmm. like a, a, what do you call it? A TGIF block. Like they're, even if I'm passively watching on Thursday, I'm not mad about it. 
And my mom was a big passive TV watcher. I thought she was a huge fan of Will and Grace because it was on every weekend, every Thursday. But it turns out she would just watch whatever was on NBC. And I just wanted to say, for me, 10 years ago when The Office ended and all those other shows ended, that was the last time my mom and I were watching the same thing as it aired. Like, that will never happen again. And that happened from the first 20 years of my life, even though we never talk about TV. But, you know, she knew 30 Rock. Anyway, but I'll move on. because I'll slide in something I think somebody took out, but I thought it was just apropos for the news that 30 years ago, it's it was recently announced Conan O'Brien will inherit David Letterman's slot on NBC, and, and Gary Shandling was in contention for that. So CBS starts going after Gary Shandling for the eventual show that will air after David Letterman on CBS. I just think that's funny because James Corden slammed the door shut on that entire franchise 30, 30 years later because once he exited, CBS canceled that show. Like there's, we can't afford to build another one from scratch. We'll pay, they offered him like millions of dollars to stay, but we can't build another one from scratch in this day and age. Jeez, I, I wouldn't think sets are that expensive for a late night show. I mean, it's like a mm-hmm. desk and a I don't chair. Think, I don't think office it's depot. Yeah, you got writers' rooms, you got booking agents, but yeah, compared to like per, putting on like a regular ass sitcom, no, talk shows are cheaper. It's not that they're cheaper. It's just like the analogy I'll make is something that is happening now, which fascinates me. But you saw a big brouhaha over CNN throwing a town hall for Trump. It was, you can have whatever opinion you want about it. Uh, I thought it was pretty bad idea and stupid, but the reality is for CNN, there is not a single thing they can do to bring you, me, or anybody younger than us over to become $150 a month cable subscribers. All they can do is scrounge whatever's left for the people already there. And that's what the late night talk show audience is about. There is nothing that could happen that would get any of us to tune in on at eleven thirty on weeknights. We for, would watch we would, it on YouTube right? the next day, a hundred percent. Never, it would yep. never actually happen. watch the show. No, no. Yep. You could tell me that Trump is going to uh, join a monastery and uh, revoke his U.S. citizenship on <laughs> uh, late night, and I'd probably just you know, watch it in the morning. We were, we were having a big conversation about that with the VGA boys, but yeah, it's not Gur CNN and like they're fighting for the last people watching cable news. And those are not young people and never will be. They're fighting for the people leaving for OAN and, 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 yeah. and who are watching their competitor, Fox news that what else are they supposed to do to stay alive in that format? I don't know, but it doesn't matter to me because I don't watch the fucking channel. Anyway, um, 30 years ago, Let's not talk about that. We got cool yeah. shit to we talk do, about. We do. We uh, do. I'm going to have to... Eri- oh, get your thing out of the Eritrea. Way, you put your thing over it. Uh, Eritrea achieves independence from Ethiopia after a 30-year civil war. Yay. Yeah. So, like many problems in Africa, this stems from imperialism. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, Are you I telling know. me white people just rolled up on some black people and ruined their day? Nope, this is uh, African imperialism. Oh, uh, Ethiopia was on the winning side of World War II, uh, so they took the Italian colony, Take that, allies. Eritrea, <laughs> mainly because they wanted it. The cultures were not alike. They didn't have a history of being ruled by them. And they nobody... just like more territory good. And talk, so and talk about in... nobody's but watching. <laughs> like if, if you look at a map, it makes sense because Ethiopia comes right up almost to the Red Sea and then it's Eritrea blocking the coastline. 
And then, but the so whole like, well, the, yeah, take our we we want coastline. The whole world sweeping up what's left of their belongings, and it's like, how is anybody supposed to like globalize or? organize against something like this wow i didn't even think about like how much of that shit could have happened around the globe mm. nobody wants to send military forces anywhere but yeah uh, congratulations to uh eritrea which i'm not hearing yeah. about for the first time yep <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of the north korea of africa Yeah, i don't even remember seeing that state when i studied africa 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty small, you know, mm. compared to how big most countries in Africa are. I, I do really like looking at pictures of the capital, Asmara, because it was an Italian colonial holding oh. in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And they just built a whole bunch of Art Deco shit everywhere. Mm. Not like what you expect from colonial Italians where you think they're going to go all Roman Empire on everything. No, it's like all super modern looking like oh nice okay i wonder if they eat the same food because if you've never treated yourself to ethiopian food and don't everybody's made the jokes already so don't bother but oh, like so good. my opinion on what a sandwich is i just want to eat my own plate no dishes and that's hmm. what a sandwich offers and i'm including burritos and all that shit in there too hot dogs sandwich good Ethiopia, they serve it on a plate you eat with. It's amazing. Your utensils are your plate. It's wonderful. No no scraps <laughs> left. Anyway, moving into the movies of 1993, May 19th to the 25th. Woo! Got to watch this in its entirety for the first time, not on cable television. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer, Re 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 Raphael, Samaraj, and Diane Ladd, which uh, brings some star power to this. Clark Griswold's mom. Uh, is in Carnosaur, Roger Corman's Carnosaur. Well, she's not just Clark Griswold's mom. She's someone else's mom who's rather important. You see, Laura Dern has this movie coming out in a couple weeks. <laughs> That's fu Wow. Where, uh, she's got to deal with some dinosaurs. And uh, Roger is... Corman <laughs> knows that there is a movie coming out with a bunch of dinosaurs. And it's like, oh, that movie costs like $70 million. I could make one for eight hundred and fifty grand. Now, here's what's great about yeah. Roger Corman, who is, I think, one of the most fascinating people in movies, because I can't tell if he loves movies or hates movies sometimes. <laughs> like, are you just using people's love of movies against them? He optioned the rights to the 1984 book Carnosaur years ago. He fast-tracked it into production because he knew Jurassic Park was coming out. And if you remember seeing it on video shelves, they use like the yellow and red <laughs> of the Jurassic Park logo. It, for like a year before the Jurassic Park movie is available, the newest dinosaur movie is Carnosaur. <laughs> I mean, think how sure Roger Corman had to be that Jurassic Park was going to be a hit. This is not a man who predicts trends. This is a man who copies what other people are, have already done for a 15th of what they cost to do it. So here he is spending for what's him a lot of money, like $850,000, mm -hmm. double that in today's money. That's got to be one of his most expensive movies of all time. And he's sure that it's going to be a success because he's sure that the freight train that is Jurassic he, Park is going to just blow everyone well, out of the you, water you, and he's going to get the scraps he's going to get all the little kids like me who are like i want more dinosaurs i want more dinosaurs I, this is dinosaur i think he's even more brilliant than that because the jurassic park hype train had started like six months ago like the logo was everywhere you instantly knew what it was with no words and a month before jurassic park hits theaters he's got a dinosaur movie in select theaters 
it's amazing. It's sort of brilliant. It's and, totally brilliant. It is straight up mockbuster shit, doing it a lot better than mm-hmm. the folks who do Transmorphers or Atlantic Rim or any of that stuff. You know, yeah, he's beating them to the punch. And it's a strange movie. It really is. Because I'm like, ooh. It's so strange. Is this why it's Gene Siskel the- liked it? Because, cause, uh, by the way, where can I stream this? It's only on YouTube. You can't YouTube. legally stream it any other way. And and it looks terrible. But I'm sure that I'm sure it could be remastered. I hope somebody does it. But Yeah. But you'd think they would just do an evil scientist makes a dinosaur, it gets loose, it's a slasher movie. Like that seems the easiest route right. to go. That's what I it's would alien. do if you said, Hey, take some yeah, make alien with, with a dinosaur in it. And they really do in that finale. It is almost exactly yeah, the end of Aliens. It's, it's Aliens. Yeah. It's like if you gave me, you know, two and a half weeks and said, go make a dinosaur movie, that's what I would make. And instead, it's about a scientist who has, it's it's also a pandemic movie. It's a yeah. scientist who's made an illness that spreads to everyone that makes women give birth to dinosaurs and kills them yes so that the human race will be destroyed and dinosaurs will rule the earth <laughs> i was like as i was want do. to do when i'm watching yeah. the beginning i'm like i see why gene siskel unlike jurassic park it has an environmental message like shit only jeff goldblum t- barely tampers in that domain then the movie goes ape shit and just <laughs> introduces completely new characters who come and go with no real announcements including the guy who plays bella lugosi's face double in ed wood i don't know his name but whenever i see him <laughs> pop up it's awesome Oh, that's where I know that guy from. Yeah, it was bugging guy. me. Where do I know that guy from? Yeah, it, it moves along very quick. Co- it's very short. It feels like there's scenes missing. Like they just yes. hop from one plot point to or another. Or too many scenes. Anything. Like, does Clint Howard have to be in this? Like, this scene doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why? Why not? Why not? This yeah. is not a plot. Okay, <laughs> this is not a movie where you're like, ah, oh, yes. Let me see where this is going. This is a movie where you're a 14-year-old boy who really likes dinosaurs, yep. and this is the only dinosaurs you can get at the moment. Yep. That's what this yep. film is. And it's also the end of an era. You know, this is the last film where if you really want monsters, you have to build them. And yeah. as little as next year, well, that's not going to be them. true. You know, yep. you can not build monsters after this film a year from now you have the option of not building monsters when this was being made if you want any monster it has to be a physical monster that exists in reality it's it's not a terrible puppet at times and they did go to the trouble of building a a life-size dinosaur to film people up against which is tickles my king kong loving heart like just they bothered i know they do it a little in jurassic park where the cuts are so quick you can barely see them this is pre-jurassic park Mm -hmm. what film had better dinosaurs before this movie baby secret of the lost legend just kidding tammy and the (laughs) t-rex tammy and the t-rex theodore rex is that out no that's not until after jurassic park yeah no as dinosaurs go they're actually pretty good i mean it's a bummer they shoot them in very dark very night environments to try to hide the, and but the little dinosaurs actually like really cute because mm-hmm. his head's kind of oversized so it just it looks like a little baby raptor and i just want to pick him up and just be like oh who's a little killing machine yeah i think i was reading that they, he's a little cute they knew because the best dinosaur effects if you really had to ask me it probably is just still willis o'brien and whatever he's doing and king kong and around it but mm-hmm. this production was like, we know what's coming. We can't use stop motion. We got to do something else. And nah. 
for and six weeks of, it takes time for it takes time for no money in six weeks of pre-production like i do want to kind of applaud the effort here i wasn't totally bowled over but it was a nice little trip to watch in its entirety carnosaur ladies and gentlemen carnosaur i can yeah. see why gene siskel uh liked it i but i looked yeah. into it i don't believe gene siskel and roger ebert hated one another they just had workplace tension however they did take movies that one of them liked and made them their worst movie of the year and <laughs> roger ebert's worst movie of the year oh fuck what was it but like or his his worst movie of the year like, yeah, that was terrible. I watched it recently. It was awful. Uh, good for you, Gene Siskel. We agree on two fronts. Whereas Roger Ebert said, Carnosaur is the worst movie of the year. And Gene Siskel's like, I kind of uh, liked it. Um, yeah, no, Gene Siskel gives it a thumbs up. He, he, you know, gives it points for creativity and for how, like, Diane Ladd seems to really be embodying this character and caring about it. And then that carried on. Cop and a half. Ebert's like, what are you talking about? And then that carried on to um, a clip from my favorite show of all time, where when Siskel and Ebert were on yes. The Critic, they are reviewing a movie on a plane and it goes really badly. Roger liked, according to Wikipedia, Ebert liked Gene's pick for Worst Movie of the Year, Cop and a Half. For the first time ever, I'm siding oh. with Gene Siskel. Uh, I'd rather watch Carnosaur 11 times before I watch Cop and a Half again. Fuck that movie. Hey. Fuck that movie. Oh, come on, Gene. That was just another pointless sequel that didn't have to be made. This? From the man who liked Benji the Hunted? Hey, you like Carnosaur. Well, I'll bet you'll like this. <laughs> and then they just start fighting. That's It's one of the greatest episodes of television I'm going to bore the shit out of like my grandkids with one day. They are going to have no context. Yeah. Back when critics, cri back when critics were famous. Yeah. yeah, that makes no sense. And they didn't yell, and they didn't pretend like the studio had done a slight against them when they didn't like a movie. They were professional. Mm -hmm. it, was just, it was just nicer. It's just nicer. But it also was a different time, because it, leading into our next movie, I think this is, uh, not now, I, I know I keep talking about, being able to watch movies on demand was a big deal, and like just it's kind of a product of the mid to late 80s. But this is the year, I believe, where my family gets two VCRs. And when everyone goes to bed, I can hook them up and record things that we rented. And I didn't see this in theaters, but it was one of the first movies I did that with. And that's, again, that's like a one-one thing. The movie needs to be played in its entirety and taped like it's airing off of television on two VCRs. So I barely know the first movie. I've watched this 1,100 times. Uh, Miguel <laughs> Ferrer, uh, Brennan... Uh, B Bake, uh, Buck, Buck, I don't know, uh, Val Valeria Galino, um, Lloyd Bridges, and Charlie Sheen in Hot Shots Part Deux. The weapons are deadlier. The romance is sweeter. The passion is hotter. Kiss me like you've never kissed me before. And the explosions are bigger. Keeps going and going. It was an that was a Native American jump out of a plane. Uh, uh yeah. Welcome to a big problem I had this week finding clips. Everything is a visual ad. Everything mm -hmm. there's a visual gag or it's a visual stunt or it's big explosion. Ah, uh, these ads are really bad for audio. God damn it! But they're funny. Okay, I gotta yeah. say. The jokes still hold up for me. I watched this. I laughed almost from start to finish. It's a quick film. There's yep. a joke. If you don't like the first joke, wait three seconds. You're going to get another. Yep. 
And I think the mm-hmm. most subst- is this the most substantial role of whose lines Ryan Stiles in like any movie ever. I, I don't know that I've ever seen him in the widescreen format. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, but also like I think I talked about this with re- we rewatched Loaded Weapon earlier this year. It's mm-hmm. it, it, if you don't want to play along with us and watch stuff as we watch it, I don't recommend you do. It's a, it's kind of a lot of air quotes work. But watching Loaded Weapon is a really good, a really good, uh, what do you call it? A really good snapshot of what was popular in movies. And I'm just sort of wanting to learn more about movies because this is the year I fall in love with films. And Hot Shots, things like Hot Shots are like my gateway to understanding pop culture and what and what they're referencing. Because I, I may have seen Top Gun. I mean, I, f- I always felt like I had. And then like someone tried to, well, what's the plot? And like, I don't know. Uh, and and I, I didn't re- I didn't sit down and watch it in its entirety until my twenties, but I saw Hot Shots on at friends' houses on HBO. But this I saw I like at, in my I, that that sex scene with like they're parroting nine and a half weeks, and then she does a backflip off a diving board onto his dick tastefully. Because I assure you, once I had this on tape, I rewound it and paused it, looking for a nipple or a hair, because that's that was this. We'll get into more of that kind of behavior in the next film. Uh, yeah, well, this this is fun in that it is a snapshot of the films of 1992. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, the last one was in, what, 91? And I appreciate that instead of just parodying Top Gun again, they're just like, no, let's parody a different action movie. It's Rambo. We're going to do Rambo this Isn't time. that what's funny, though, is yeah. that they're, they're par- it started as a Top Gun parody, but, like, there is no more Top Gun. So there's nothing yeah, to no. do. It's <laughs> nothing to parody but, at all. I hadn't seen Rambo before I watched Hot Shots. Me part either. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rambo was too violent for me, and uh, this film inspired me to watch Rambo. Right. Yeah. And cool as ice. All right. You mean Ra- Rambo First Blood Part Two? First Blood Part Two. Because First Blood is actually I started with First Blood. Nice. And okay. It was a pretty mature thing, and I watched it with my memories of Hot Shots. And I was like, "What is this? <laughs> it's not with this. Isn't the 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 no. where's the gun and the bow and arrow that shoots grenades?" I will say, that, like, what I love about the indescribable trajectory of the Rambo franchise is all, mirrored in only one other franchise that we'll talk about two segments from now. Oh, it's, good comparison. It's, it's yeah. fucking weird. They start out as like low key. And then go totally batshit. We are hundred million dollar movies now, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Hot Shots part. Duh. I mean, the the framing is is like First Blood part two, but also Casablanca. Let's just do Casablanca as the framework for yeah. most of our movie. Sure. Why not? But then you know, it's also they heavily imply it's Saddam Hussein, but I, they never say actually say he's Saddam Hussein is the he bad looks guy, like Saddam. <laughs> so he looks like Saddam they call him Saddam and he lives in Iraq but it's like what you, you have to make him legally distinct or he'll sue I, I don't know yes yes yeah so we got some basic instinct jokes going around there we got uh yeah other topical uh... things there were some jokes that were racist then and play even worse now mm-hmm. that I was not expecting coming uh some of them were <sighs> Yeah, ta- there's Arab guys wearing towels on their heads. Not appreciated. Like, okay, I still fine. giggled. I, I, it's so yeah, dumb. It's, it says no, "Holiday Inn" on his head. If, if <laughs> dumb jokes, my favorite dumb joke is 
You've got to attack this area. It's a map of Iraq, and next to it is a hard place. And that joke just <laughs> cracked me up. You're right here between Iraq and a hard place. Tear apart a preteen. Uh, yeah, they're... Yes, it's very stupid, but it moves very fast. And it's funny that I just recently watched uh, Top Secret, which I hadn't watched very in a really fun. long time. Which is a lot of fun, but it's the same thing with that even the lesser Zucker Abrams Zucker movies, because I think Naked Gun and Airplane are definitely the best. Yeah. And then even the lesser ones, at least their the jokes move so fucking fast. Yeah, you don't you can't that, dwell. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I well, I didn't get that reference to No Way Out. No one will anymore. It's fine. You guys are missing out. That movie fucking rules. But it's still the jokes in it are still funny. And if you didn't like that one, yes, ten seconds later there's going to be fucking more. That's why I can't say whether this movie is good or bad because the parodies we've seen thus far are either franchise parodies or genre parodies. And this really is like celebrating every type of movie there is. It, it doesn't there's have... a lady in the tramp parody yeah. okay yeah. They, they are not discriminating at all yeah. about what movies lady they the take there's apocalypse now and then it crosses over or no it's apocalypse now with the voiceover from platoon which also stars charlie sheen and then he runs into his dad playing the character from apocalypse now <laughs> and then they both say i loved you in wall street <laughs> i love that i love that so much <laughs> But yeah, I do think you have to know the movies of the late 80s and early 90s to appreciate this. I It's all over the place, though. Like, Martin I, Sheen yeah. shows up to play his himself or his character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but my, I didn't even know they were. My 10 year old will get, like, none of these. I know. So I didn't get it then either. I didn't even know they were related at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay, the No Way Out joke, you might not get that reference, but there's enough jokes on top of that joke that they're making out in the back of a limo. And then the limo driver is like setting up a video camera and he's got 3D glasses and he's running alongside the limo taking pictures. <laughs> like, okay, there's jokes on top of the reference. It's not just reference. I, I, I mean, it, it is though. Like it, it, it eventually. No, it's not. <sighs> I mean, that's where Abrams ends up. He ends up with like the scary movies where it really yeah. is just, hey, recognize this? I would I'd say even before that, th there's Mafia. And Mafia is pretty Aye. bad. Hmm. Pretty bad. But but this is, I, I still can't hate this, but I also can't say it's, I don't, I can't objectively say it's any good. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I, I had a great time yeah, with I it. Got, I got some laughs and yeah, some of, some of it doesn't age great, either for, you know, political correctness or for just like, no one gets this joke anymore. <laughs> But I get it, and I think our listeners will, will get it. They've been listening to us for a while, so they, they know all these movies at this point, or they know yeah. at least enough of them that it'll make sense. So this is a big recommend for me. I laughed. That's what I want from a comedy. Yep. Yeah. It, it, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then on to the next movie, which is impossible <laughs> to laugh at. Uh, but oh, it's, no, I laughed pretty hard. It's number one at the box office, Colleen Camp. CCH Pounder, uh, Nina Falk, Polly, Polly Walker, Martin Landau, Landau, Tom Berenger, the worst Baldwin, Billy Baldwin, William Baldwin, and Sharon really? Stone. You don't think Steven is the worst At Baldwin? this point, the shit Billy Baldwin was in was always way worse than Stephen Baldwin stuff. But yes, Stephen Baldwin mm. is objectively the worst Baldwin. But Billy yeah. Baldwin has a really stupid face, and you just he, he's the one you most want to punch. They really use it in this movie. Oh God, his his fucking blue steel is so silly. And he, 
<laughs> uh, number one at the box office this week, it is Sliver. From the moment she moved in, someone was watching. Someone who sees her every move. Four people died here in two years. Sharon Stone, William Baldwin, Tom Berenger. At 113 East 38th Street, the view from the outside is nothing compared to the view inside. Sliver. Rated R. Sliver! We're still in the, uh, well, kind of in the twilight of the erotic thriller. No, I think we're at the height of the erotic thriller. I feel like sure. we're going to get tons and tons of more erotic thrillers for the next year, at least. I Maybe. I, I think that rocket's still taking off. It's the success of this. Uh, screenwriter Joe Esterhouse gets to kind of a blank check to make another titty-based movie in a few years. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I, no. After uh, Basic Instinct, man, this that, is we got this, Sharon Stone's follow-up to Basic Instinct. But that's what I'm Joe talking Astor about. And, yeah. that's, that's what no, I, but, this doesn't give him the check. He has the check. I'm, well, never mind. Showgirls is fucking ridiculous and like well, way too opulent. I, yeah. And I can't wait to talk about it. And, and, but this but, is this is so subdued, nah. I hate it now. I, it's, it's trying so hard. Mm-hmm. That's what cracks me up about it. it is it is the most try hard erotic thriller out of all of the bunch that we're gonna we, we have talked about, we will keep talking about. It is trying so hard. And that's what makes it funny. And then this ad makes it sound like, oh, it's much more of a thriller than it is, but it's really just like she moves into an apartment. Billy Baldwin is there. They have the seducing and seducingness. Lots of seducing and seducingness. And look, ooh, and seducing the camera. Yeah. There is a scene in this movie where Sharon Stone puts on panties and a big, bulky men's jacket. And then does golf putting in her apartment wearing their, that outfit. Now, yeah. golf never comes up again in this movie. There's no reason for that scene other than uh, having Sharon Stone in panties and a big, bulky men's jacket. Now, Diana, how often uh-huh. do you wear that outfit? I mean, is it a <laughs> once a week thing? Is it a multiple times a week thing? That's uh, that's my Sunday church clothes, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. 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 No, that's... <laughs> I mean, as we get into it, you find out like, oh, there's cameras in every apartment. And every time you turn one on, they're in the middle of doing something sexy or interesting. No one is just sitting there playing Zelda for 12 hours straight. Exactly. Everyone is having something important and or probably really sexy happen. (laughs) Oh, it's so dumb. It's this is such a dumb movie. And then like, oh, no, this lady, the lady in the apartment before you got murdered. And uh this oh gosh and she looked like you oh and she was dating william baldwin and maybe also tom verger oh okay well can i maybe go to a restaurant and take my underwear off under the table is that sexy everyone does everyone think that's sexy (laughs) yeah take please by all means take off your your underwear around my food i'd really appreciate that here is the most here's the most damning indictment on sharon stone acting i can give in this film I don't think she's very good at faking an orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. You haven't had any bad experiences, Sharon, because that that was not convincing to me. (laughs) What was this? What was it? Uh, Yeah, this movie is really dumb. And I like they they changed the ending. I didn't realize the original ending is like, oh, yeah, he obviously did it. 
Derp. Guess how many endings there are, Diana. Guess, guess. I only knew that there was one. Is there how many other endings are there? Five. Whoa. There are five endings to this film. The studio did the test screening. It was disastrous. They th thought, okay, we're going to have to shoot another ending. And they went, that's not good enough. So there are five alternate oh, endings wow. to this film. So this is the best ending out of five. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, because the, the ending as it is, it's playing by the uh, economy of characters rule where it's like, well, Tom Berenger hasn't done much in this movie. He seems like he, oh, could he strangle did someone. He was in Vietnam. He, yeah. yeah. He, pro he probably did it. In Platoon, at least. It's actually a big week for him. We'll mm -hmm. get to that. Oh, you know what really bugged me? Okay. Yeah. Sharon Stone found out someone broke into her apartment, left a telescope, and put a note on it saying, from a secret admirer. And she is totally cool with that like oh mm. someone broke into my apartment that's fun meanwhile like uh, if i accidentally uh, liked my ex-girlfriend's 10 year old photograph on facebook it would be a <laughs> group-wide scandal that no everyone would keep talking about uh yeah and that's not to debase this but like i try i tried watching this again for the erotic thrillers laser time episode and I was reminded that this is one of those things I taped off of a free preview of a premium movie channel. And this was my porn. I don't couldn't mm -hmm. tell you the plot of the movie, mm -hmm. but I can tell you the scenes that did the trick. And, yep. and they're not well, that they, many. No, but they, they originally, depending on what channel you're taping it off of, oh, they right. might have run the, the unrated or NC-17 rated. They had to make a lot of cuts. Over a hundred. Sex scenes. Over a hundred yeah. cuts. Yeah, just to bring it down to an R. And but uh, and it's sexy. so stupid and pointless. Movie stupid and pointless. Everybody, don't please don't bother. It is weird. Something about like oh, just making your movie all about sexuality makes it ridiculous and unwatchable in a few years. People don't want to see about that. They want to see love or an emotional connection, not how you not get what gets you get. Never mind. But like this is internet, so, right? Internet porn, right? It's now mm -hmm. been. It's now been. I don't even want to say subgenre. It's been what sliver represented has now been macro genre into the entire field of porn, and it, it makes me feel like weird. I lived through the career success of someone like Sharon Stone because there were plenty of sexy ladies who got paid very well to be sexy on movie screens, but never as much as Sharon Stone. And for a really long time, she had to be naked and have a sex scene in like every fucking movie. And I just have to imagine after a while. She gets, she's probably pretty fucking tired of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She gets tired of yeah. it pretty quickly. And it's also, yeah. I just find her interesting that she's an older woman. Yeah. At yeah. this point, you know, she's a, she's a sex symbol in her late 30s. Yeah. That's yeah. when she finally breaks. And that's fucking cool. Because she's a good actress. You can see it and in it, Total Recall. Yeah. Could, let me throw this out. Could someone do an Unforgiven for the erotic thriller genre? Ooh, <laughs> you have to bring back a lot of old people. Ugh. Oh, oh, dear. What, Michael Douglas regretfully looking oh. back on his life? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yes, it should it be. Has be. It Michael, has to be Michael Douglas. Yeah. Michael Douglas as an old man flashing mm -hmm. back to his younger days. As long as he does it via the Disclosure VR device. I am totally okay with that because God, that is silly. Yeah, Sliver is unrecommendable. Oh, uh, really not dumb. to be confused for the Nirvana song, but uh, no. but yeah, Sliver. But it was kind of a phenomenon, and like if you were a little kid, like ooh, Sliver's coming on late tonight on HBO. We're gonna stay up and watch it. It was 
an odd rite of passage for boys and girls to have seen Sliver because it wasn't very naughty. Very naughty. Mm -hmm. So we did. Uh, I'd recommend that so much more over Hot Shots. Or, uh, Hot Shots way more than Sliver. And Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we got to move on to television because this is a lot of milestones to talk about here. So much so that I couldn't even talk about Kevin Klein hosting the season finale of SNL to promote Dave. Hmm. And Dan Aykroyd appears in the cold open with Jan Hooks, both of whom are not cast members. Uh, and I think I think Don Pardo screws up special, I don't know that they give special guest stars announcements on SNL and haven't for years, but special guests, and he says special musical guest Jan Hooks, and that's what I was struggling <laughs> to find before the episode, but I lost my SNL archive. Uh, I wanted to find all that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, look at that. The gang from West Beverly graduate from high school in season three, uh, the season three finale of Beverly Hills 90210. Not unlike Buffy, Season three is where they leave high school and spend the majority of the time outside of it, even though yep. you always think of it as young it, people shows. It, my mind, it is always that high school show. And you're right. You want to know why? Because none of them moved away. Despite being yeah. wealthy as hell, <laughs> yeah. none of them went to a college out of town. Yeah. No, uh, I, I think Shannon Doherty's character does for like an episode or two. In <laughs> but not for story <laughs> reasons. <next> season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at least they like have it as an issue of, Oh, I'm leaving, but it's not a story issue of I'm leaving and all of you are staying here. You pack of losers. Yeah, one of the, one of these wealthy assholes isn't going to backpack through Europe for through two or three years. Get the fuck out of here, apprentice so. under his dad's dealership. I I don't believe it. Don't nah. believe. It. Also, but then again, <clears throat> '80s television staples going away. This is sort of that and not that, but it in something that never works. Saved by the Bell. Uh, broadcast its series finale on NBC, and do they uh, do they play that in prime time? I would I'm kind of wondering. Um, yes, because why I, wouldn't I, they? I think so? I think it was a prime time special. As we've talked about that, when shows that run during the day, especially something like Saved by the Bell, which was for teens and kids on Saturday mornings, but it has grown a lot over five years, and surely this can let's throw the finale into uh, prime, its primetime lineup, but even more importantly, they're introducing, because this did go into the primetime lineup, the new show, Saved by the Bell, The College Years, which debuts this same week, possibly right afterwards. Tuesday, an NBC premiere for Saved by the Bell fans wondering if they'll ever see Zach, Slater, Screech, and Kelly again. You better believe it. Guess who's here? It's Saved by the Bell, The College Years, the original cast in an all-new show. <laughs> there it is. It's the new school of fresh comedy, filled with high style and new friends. It's that Tory spelling look that's in right now, that... Saved by the Bell, The College Years, premieres Tuesday on NBC. <laughs> this huge show you loved is ending, and starting the next day is that exact same show <laughs> in college. <laughs> Oh my gosh, did they misread their audience? Okay. Uh, Saved by the Bell was watched by people who were not in high school. Yep. It was mm -hmm. for people who was like looking ahead. It's like reading Archie comics. Very few teenagers read Archie comics. You know, it's always the grades below them looking yep. up. And you can't go to college with the Saved by the Bell crowd. Okay. That's not the college experience that people want to see. 
they want to see the wild, crazy parties. Right. You know? and, 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 mm-hmm. Animal house without the problems. 30, you know, that's 30, what they want. And I wish they would have done that. Like, age the show up a little bit. Because the only other, I was trying to think of other examples. Did you ever, you can see it on YouTube, the pilot for Clarissa. The Clarissa explains it all. It was on Nickelodeon. And then for one season on CBS or like one episode, they played the show Clarissa, where she moves to New York and starts her professional life. But like, you can't depend on your audience to follow you there. Also, Saved by the Bell succeeded because it aired in a time slot where there were no other options. (laughs) There were no other options. There was nothing else like Saved by the Bell in its time slot. And then it moves up, like basically like, you want to play in the Seinfeld court? I don't think so. This is never going to work. Jesus, I never thought of it. You're never going to work. Competing against that adult of an audience with the writers, the mood and the older demographic who watches primetime television i can see why you wouldn't want it to end but like it probably just should have been called saved by the bell some college have colleges have bells they do in my nightmares now uh (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah the college years only last uh one season of 19 episodes for obvious reasons yeah but there's still more saved by the bell coming at least right they they instantly reboot it with the new class i can't remember Uh, i think I think that's gonna be next season this fall mm-hmm. seems Maybe. likely but yeah yeah i watched so much saved by the bell and it was such a garbage show and i can remember <laughs> none of it and i have i have this theory i can remember the simpsons episodes i haven't seen in 20 years but i can't remember saved by the bell episodes now i watched both multiple times right. my theory is my brain doesn't hate me so it's just flushed <laughs> away the episodes of Saved by the Bell and JR, I am the good of The Simpsons. With you 100%. I watched it on Saturday mornings, and I watched it, Saved by the Bell when it hit syndication, both alongside The Simpsons. And it was all not what I didn't know was begrudgingly. I don't want to watch this, but there's nothing else to watch. So I will watch Saved by the Bell. When I had the choice to not watch Saved by the Bell or think about it, I didn't and never cared about it again. Yeah, never watched it. Don't like entertainment for teens, even when I was a teen or younger. I was it not just, a teen. I have videotapes. I have movies I can watch. I don't need to do this. I don't need to subject myself to bad entertainment when I am the weird kid who wants to watch Lawrence of Arabia again. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, shocked, though, to find out September 93, Saved by the Bell New Class, comes right back in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it lasts longer than the original. Yeah. Stre- I did not know it Streech went seven fucking back. seasons. <laughs> seven fucking seasons. The original wow. went four. Wow. Jeez. See, but I, don't, I don't hear it referenced at all. I, uh, I'll stumble nope. across Zach Morris's trash, which I highly recommend. <laughs> like, I'll watch those and be like, I remember nothing of this, but this is hilarious as hell. Um, mm. But I don't see the new class referenced I, ever, I think ever. No. Even more of the begrudging child saying this is what they're giving us and i'll watch it we did an episode on the death of saturday morning television and saved by the bell is much cheaper than animation and nbc did a whole pivot to non-animated saved by the bell as programming for multiple seasons before this format died entirely but yeah it's much cheaper (laughs) than producing even the shittiest episode of whatever hasbro line is out uh, final thing, I will never forget being at a school gymnasium. We're doing this big old thing where all the classes come up. And one of the presenters says, 
And I remember back when we watched Saved by the Bell and thought that was what high school was going to be like. And I laughed my ass off. And I was the only one in the entire audience who laughed at that. And the entire gymnasium just kind of <laughs> stared at me like, you have admitted to watching Saved by the Bell. Yeah, can't we do that. We beat you even more now, JR. Congratulations. We didn't think that was possible, but you did it. So weird. Little kids don't want to admit to the things they're doing. Next time you see your friend's kid or your niece or nephew, accuse them of playing Fortnite. They are, but they don't want you to accuse them of it. <laughs> They're definitely playing. No, that's for babies. That's old. Uh, because life goes on. That's how I'm segueing into the, season, the series finale <laughs> of Life Goes On, a show I watched a lot of and have very little memories of, but for different reasons. My mom was a career social worker. And mm. worked when there wasn't people with developmental disabilities on primetime shows, she would be reviewing tapes that would terrify me of other people with this developmental disabilities for her job and thought it was important. I, I think she got way more out of the show than the average person and kind of sat me down to watch certain episodes. And I watched clips of it re semi recently and like, it's not bad. It's not, it's, yeah. it's not, it was not a terrible show at all. Yeah, again, family drama, mm -hmm. but it stars someone with Down syndrome, which yeah. Chris Burke. we didn't have before. No, it didn't. I don't that. think we've had that since. I, I cannot think, think so. of any show that has done that since. You um, know? That starred someone? No. That starred. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, not in the top of the cast. Like I recommended a while ago, no, le this, legit. This was le the quirky show. This was. I mean, this almost, his story. for a little while, the, the name Corky almost appooed itself. Mm. Uh, it, yeah. It, it, it was an insult it, at my school. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm. That's not great. But it was 100. percent People called each other quirky. Definitely was, happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, lots of very special episodes, but not like totally sacred. And Chris Burke has his moments of like, this dude knows what he's doing comedically. Jesus. Uh, he's, yeah, he's like delivering funny shit. And uh, the show, I, I remember not hating it and uh, reviewing some clips later on. But uh, yeah, only went four seasons. But uh, yeah, I can't believe it's still notable for that aspect. Because it's like only that show legit and Fairly Brothers movies feature prominent roles with people with disabilities. Who cares? The Pirates of Dark or Water. Pat <laughs> or Patty Lupone. Oh, not okay. getting to sing every episode, which is wrong. <laughs> wrong, I tell you. Pirates of Dark Water ends. That, that was my who cares. Not for life goes on. I never cared for this show. It started in 91. Mm. Um, Objectively speaking... This is the best thing Hanna Barbera ever made. Jesus, I don't know about if, that. You know, if you're talking about animation level, if you're talking about stories, visuals, uh, characters, this is it. This is as good as Hanna Barbera ever can get without the nostalgia. Scooby Doo is way more popular. It will always be more popular. The original Scooby Doo, not as good as. Pirates of Dark Waters, if you're coming in with no nostalgia. I'm a Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates guy. Said no one ever. Like, nobody cares about that show. And I was, I, I showed it to my kids. They liked it. The Peter Pan and the Pirates? Mm -hmm. There's so, there's plenty of other new shows on Disney Plus with the Peter Pan characters in it. Why? Why? Uh, but uh, you say that the best handover. Just saying, today they finally unearthed one of the last pieces of unseen Hanna-Barbera animation. Look up Rock Odyssey on Video Archive. Thank you, Joe, for pointing that out to me because I've heard about it and it's never seen the light of day on television, home video, or anywhere else on these shores. And it... So you don't know, JR, is what I'm saying. 
That's Hanna yeah. Barbera's <laughs> Hanna Barbera's heavy metal made for TV heavy metal movie. It's got Beatles songs and George Michael songs in it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Haven't watched the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's as bizarre as it sounds. Trippy and weird and a celebration of rock. But I liked the Pirates of Dark Water when it was on. The problem mm. is I could never find it. I like watched a couple episodes and mm. I was like, this is great. I love this. This is high quality. I'm going to try and watch it. And then I could just never find it. You know, the problems of the pre-streaming world. Uh, was I was a, their prime audience and I couldn't watch it. It was a problem and of the Hanna-Barbera <coughs> machine because they, they built, <coughs> for the most part, Saturday morning. And then they got kind of big for their britches and started syndicating at other times during the day. And that was left up to the networks to program. So it could be Sunday at 2. It could be Friday at 3. You'd never know when the show was on. Um, and, yeah, I, and it disappeared once it was off the air. And I could not find proof that it ever existed. Again, pre-internet <laughs> world. So I was just like, was that a show? Did that exist? And uh, back in the Usenet days, it was one of the first things I did uh, when I was realized... I can ask geeks on the internet questions and they'll answer me. The power, the power <laughs> was go on like alter dot discussion cartoons or something like that and say, does anyone know what show this is? It had the thing with the thing and the water was all turning dark. <laughs> pirates Might have been dark pirates. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, got video games. And I think it when Cartoon Network started, like they only used Hanna-Barbera library and it was definitely i remember interstitials for it but i think you can get it on warner's manufacture on demand uh service and should probably stream on hbo max but it's not even called that anymore and we know how they do with animation uh designing women ends this week no! as well in 1986 somebody tell me something about designing women because i don't remember I, I love designing women mm. um designing women basically only got greenlit because golden girls was a surprise hit and they're just like oh we could just make a movie with like you know four ladies and they sit around razzing each other sure you'd think more people would have tried but no they pretty pretty much just designing women and it just had a fucking great cast dixie carter annie potts delta burke gene smart and then some of them left and julie duffy and jan hooks came in uh yeah and they're just a bunch of sassy southern women being sassy often angrily yelling leftist politics at people while being sassy it, and Southern. This show showed America that you could be liberal in the South. I'm yep. not sure a lot of shows did that before this one. Hmm. I don't know. Not unless you're talking like whole old Southern Democrats, which we call Republicans now. Uh, <laughs> actually, eh, you go far enough back the the lines weren't quite so drawn. You you could have right-wing Democrats and left-wing Republicans. But uh, one of my favorite things is just Dixie Carter every now and then would get these monologues where she would just rip a bitch to shreds over whatever. Feminism, blackface, being a member of a racist club, stuff like that. And she would call in her sister a name. And it, she would go off. And they are so... Good. I miss Dixie Carter so much. It went on to found and, TNA uh, Wrestling. That's a different. <laughs> All right. One ah. of the actresses, uh, Delta Burke, got made fun of a lot for her weight. Yep. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the photos, it's not that big. No, she's gorgeous. No. It's, it's her hair she's... that looks the stupidest. Yeah, she's voluptuous. Mm -hmm. I don't think she looks fat. I think she looks curvy. 
yeah, it was some bullshit. It's, they, people made so many jokes about it. Now Delta Burke is super fat. And it's like, dude, no. I think you're just trying to uh, neg her until she'll crush you. And that's your fetish. Yeah, I think we were unaware <laughs> that's how, my theme. how fat also, America was heading. We had a show where we had Annie Potts on our TV every single week. And we Ma'am. squandered it. We oh, squandered it as a nation. I could listen to her say Ghostbusters all day. Exactly. <laughs> um, we brought this up a while back, but it's finally hitting the air. Uh, the TV movie In the Line of Duty, Ambush on Waco, one month after the raid on Waco, Tim Daly plays Dude. David Koresh. And I believe, JR, you knew the story better than I did. He does, yeah. he, He's filming the thing before the raid. And then <laughs> he's filming it during the siege. And so, like, the day when David Koresh is killed, they like stick a microphone in his face and say, how does it feel to be playing a man who was just killed? Mm-hmm. And Tim Daly is just like, nothing in my acting career has trained me to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> but God damn, you NBC ghouls. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you went ahead and showed it. I mean, it was sunk cost at that point. I get it. But <laughs> I mean, it was, it was wow, tasteless. And this is distasteful. Semi-predatory before the raid and yeah uh, yeah but it, wow yeah and they went ahead and aired it with he zero controversy interesting um and then also ripped from the headlines triumph over disaster the hurricane andrews story is it just me or is tv movies are dying a horrible death right now what the fuck are we doing here yeah I what think... what are we doing we're just having a movie about a hurricane and so we're just going to tell a couple little stories of like stories of courage and survival during a hurricane that happened like a year ago and and they make one of the local newscasters one of the heroes of the film to such an extent that he had to like go on before this movie and say don't listen to everything this movie says about me movie <laughs> <laughs> is not going to be easy for everyone to watch but remember it's just a hollywood movie In fact, the characters and events portrayed here at Channel 4 are not even necessarily realistic. You'll see, even the Brian in the movie is not really like me. But we still think it can do a lot of good for people around the country who don't know what happened here. Enjoy it. We'll see you at 11. (laughs) It turns out NBC changed enough parts of my story that they don't have to pay me any money. And uh, yeah, if you didn't hear my hurricane, I grew up in Florida. We endured many hurricanes, but Hurricane Andrew was different in that um, mm-hmm. I grew up eight hours away from the hurricane disaster. A lot of my family did live there, though. But our school inherited new students because they mm-hmm. needed places to go. Uh, people who would be in my life for the rest of my like childhood, basically Hurricane Andrew refugees from eight hours away, and my dog was a Hurricane Andrew rescue. My mom loved Scotties and decided to adopt a Scotty who was roaming the debris of Hurricane Andrew. Mac! Mm. Mac was from Hurricane Andrew. Anyway, uh, the Star Trek, guessing Next Generation, uh, episode Second Chances airs starring Mae Jemison, the first real-life uh, astronaut uh, to appear on the show. Yay! But not That's the cool. last. Yeah. Uh, but this is also the episode that gets brought up in pretty much any nerd discussion on whether the transporter kills you or not. <laughs> yeah. And I th- because doesn't it sort of do that? The, yes. That my theory is from what we see, the transporter absolutely kills you. And yeah. every time you're transported, 
you die and a copy of you takes your place. So this is the episode where they have some ion storm or whatever on a planet. Riker is trying to beam up and they beam up one version of him, but you can absolutely interpret it that the ion storm prevented it from destroying the original version on the ground of him. Okay. Yeah, so if, if, if they didn't destroy it, then that means there's a copy involved. There's a copy. Yeah. So, Every time you transport, you're just murdering your own old self to have a identical copy of yourself. Can you imagine? Are you telling me that Star Trek anticipated the prestige <laughs> by that much? <laughs> I saw that movie. Those Hugh Jackmans were in vats. Hey, murder them all. Yeah, but the temp cash can't handle anymore, Captain. You've got to empty the cash. <laughs> <laughs> and what gets me is a copy of you is not you at all. Okay, no. imagine we make a copy of you. You shake its hands. It leaves the room, and then we tie you up and start drilling your teeth. Okay, are you going to be fine because your copy is out there living a great life? No, you're going to be sad. You're getting your teeth drilled. Okay, a copy is not you. So they. They absolutely murder you every time you transport. I love Star it. Trek. I love. I, th I remember thinking that as a little kid. Like that's really the only way that this is possible. And my Star Trek friends are like, "There's actually several episodes that tackle this in some way." And I've always meant to go look for them because the transporter still like it's never been more possible <laughs> with 3D printing and genetic technology and the speed of the internet. But. Hmm. It sounds like the last result in a modern sci-fi movie. Uh, we don't know if this will work. We're going to copy you and transport all of you and your memories to another. We think it'll work, but... Uh, yeah, and sometimes it doesn't. Isn't the first Star Trek movie where they, there's a transporter accident and they like call the other ship and the other ship's like, what what came here didn't live long, yes, fortunately. Yes, yeah. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, transporter can be it bad. Fu it fused with it, either the... DNA, other DNA itself, or different DNA, and they became monstrosities and had to be murdered. Okay, this is this is pretty big because, like, I didn't realize it was the same week. One, say uh, goodbye to the new boss, hello to the new boss. Uh, Seinfeld, the pilot, airs here. It's the pilot. It's not the pilot. The <laughs> pilot episode of Seinfeld oh, right. is the one where Jerry Seinfeld is creating a pilot for his own show and it's hilarious because you get to see bizarro alternative reality mm -hmm. versions of every seinfeld character jeremy piven uh and bob yes. Balaban gets to show up as the head of nbc yeah. i always love those episodes because the judge decreed to become my butler not my friend's butler jerry he is your butler you can give him any order you want that's what butlers do but i don't want to jerry my house is a pigsty come on <laughs> Because he's my yeah. butler. Come on up. <laughs> uh, keep going? Uh, no, yeah. no. It, it's just weird hearing uh, Kramer, Elaine, and George all voiced and acted by other people. And they do some great clips from the first four seasons of Seinfeld. Mm. And this could absolutely have worked for that, the ending I, I of the show. I think it's... <sighs> It's a very polite indictment of the shows that were on up against Seinfeld when it came out. Nobody would have said yes to that premise. What do the characters do? They sit around and they talk about stuff. Just <laughs> two comics, basically. And like, no, can't, it's got to have a thing. Because he's my butler. Like, that, that really could have been the show. <laughs> if it, yeah. <laughs> uh, if it was pitched to Jerry, but I think 
the reality behind Seinfeld was that like NBC was dying to get in his pants, possibly have him host a night show. Like you can do whatever you want, just get in an NBC contract tomorrow. Um, yep. because, and and yeah. you can see that they are finally starting to back Seinfeld and realize, yeah. oh, the show is doing better. It's getting more attention because they put it in a really good slot. The slot where they usually put new shows that they're testing out. They this The winter of 93, 90, new, 92 to 93 is when they moved Seinfeld to Thursdays at 930 okay. to follow one of their biggest shows, which then next season it will slide into that uh, yes, spot. The anchor spot. Yeah, uh, and it will become, it, that's where it lives. And yeah. that brings us to the next one. It, it doesn't feel Which like this is... brings us to whose spot is it taking? It, it doesn't feel like this is even part of the same, that these things overlapped at all. One feels very 90s, one feels very 80s. Hmm. But, you know, that's, this is, cheer, the nature of Cheers getting 11 fucking seasons. Cheers nice. ends after having started in 1982. 1982 and 80, 80 million people tuned in to watch the finale. Now, is this the last episode or did they pull a mash and run like a feature length no, last episode? They pull a mash. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, are, you should. It's Yeah, there are three. Yeah. It's basically part one, two, and three. I'd only seen it's Cheers in, in syndication, so I made it a point to watch this all in a row. I think on Paramount Plus is where it's streaming because uh, mm-hmm. I'd never seen this all together and it holds up fairly well. The finale it's, of Cheers. I think it's really, really solid. I mean, like we were talking about The Office last week, where it's like you kind of want to know a general direction where people are going to go. And, you know, everyone gets some things wrapped up. And also, it was so fucking cool that Shelley Long came back because she mm-hmm. she left to have a film career after five seasons. We've actually had Kirstie Alley longer than we had Shelley Long on the show. And, but and everyone else on the show has film careers. Had she, had she not, <laughs> the ones who are alive? Uh, but, but well, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Coach didn't get a film career. I'm we sorry, lost Kirstie no. Alley last year. Yeah, we did. But Kirstie Alley had uh, several successful movies. True. Lucas talking one and two so far. Madhouse Ted forever, Danson. baby. Madhouse. Ted Danson. We have a Ted Danson movie coming out like next week. Hell I think. yeah, Handsome Frankenstein uh, forever. Yeah. Woody Harrelson has been killing it. White men can't oh, jump. It's, I and, don't an indecent think, proposal. That's what Come makes on. me laugh watching I don't this. Think and like anyone would predict in nineteen. I want to go. If I had a late night talk yeah. show no. now, what I do is go back in time. We'll show them an episode of Cheers and like you pick who has the biggest movie career and <laughs> would would you have picked Woody Harrelson? Because still, when I see him, I'm like, did his jaw come out of alignment? He looks more Cro Magnon every appearance he <laughs> makes. Big plug. Big pimp for White House plumbers. Very good show so far, and he's yeah. awesome on it. Just to portray those people as Marx Brothers buffoons is such a good <laughs> idea. Uh, but he's great yeah. on that show. I love Woody Harrelson. But uh, but uh, Cl- Cliff uh, Cliff John Ratzenberger would go on to be in every Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's technically one of uh, a man whose filmography is the highest grossing in history <laughs> because he I is see in that. every. Technically, because he is in every single Pixar. Yeah, movie. He's, I think he's the one white guy in Coco. <laughs> he is seriously. Uh, well, I watched Cheers all the time growing up. I watched Cheers before I knew what sex was, and I'm speaking literal. Like I literally didn't know what sex was, and like fifty percent of Cheers is sex jokes, that- and I <laughs> laughed at them. What was I laughing at when I didn't know what I'm sex was? So glad you brought that up because 
it was quite a struggle in our and being a one TV household. That's where the Nintendo was hooked up, blah, blah, blah. Not that there was much I could actually watch live on nine o'clock on Thursday, but my mom would always commentate on TV to watch Cheers, and I would just like, you know, the what a kid does, kicks and screams, and I hate this. And she's like, Why do you hate this? And like, and I find I just touched upon like because of all the sex stuff. Yeah, that's naughty, I'm told. <laughs> and I would and I went off on a rant and she laughed at me and made me do that rant around other people. <laughs> when I was a little kid to yell about Cheers. So I was like, I should have had my own YouTube show at seven to bitch about Cheers being on all the time. But uh, but wow, yeah. What a good way to, to defang a child's argument mm-hmm. is, oh, that was good. Tell that to dad. Do it for your Go uncle. On. Do it for your yeah. uncle. Yeah. No, no, no. Less curse words. Do it. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Now, Cheers is such, like, there is a reason this show is beloved. It is held up as one of the best sitcoms of all time. Because, like, it goes 11 years. It there there's times where it's like not as good, but it never like jumps the shark and is embarrassing. Well, I think the, like, the same thing. There'll just be a couple episodes here and there. Oh, that wasn't as funny. I said about the office. If you want to find a sh- format in which friends could hang out, the office or hey, a fucking bar, like <laughs> a bar. <laughs> like they don't always stay. They rarely ever just stay in the bar, but they always meet up there at some point. Bar. It's a really it, always sunny. It made me think of always sunny, which isn't mm-hmm. about a bar, but the bar is central to wherever they go. And yep. and 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 I I gotta say I think it's one of the best intros of any television show because it like <sighs> it doesn't put it itself in any decade outside of maybe the song, which is wonderful. And yeah, I thought this episode held up super well. And I wanted to because what was the situation, Diana? I knew Shelley Long left, and it was a big deal. She was coming back. She'd made no guest yeah. appearances in that time. Nope. Okay, none. so this is a big nope. surprise. She's coming back, and she's going to get together with Sam. What audiences want? They're gonna finally going to see uh, Diane and Sam get together, and the show doesn't give you that. Instead, dwells on the idea like, why do either of us want this? And yeah. is this well? They were horrible for each other. I, That's but the I never. Thing. I still That's don't have any context for that. They never got together because they were not a good match. Cheers, the first five seasons is an exploration of wanting something that you shouldn't have. Okay, that's what it is. Neither one of them would make the other happy in a long-term relationship at all. I I thought that was rather bold for a show of this era, just because Cheers, if you didn't hear me say, like the only reason it wasn't renewed is because everybody is a massive star. It's a, you have to renew contracts like season by season after like seven according to union rules, and they just couldn't afford, they literally couldn't afford to make it. It was still doing yeah. fine in the ratings. It could have gone on. But uh, I think everybody oh, yeah. was kind of, I'm sure the cast was a little tired, and once, that syndication money must have been pretty decent. Jesus Christ. For, oh, they're all made for life, 100%. I did, yeah. I, I had, I'd never seen it in HD on a big screen. I'm like, I can totally see Jason Sudeikis and Norm now. I didn't know that's his uncle. <laughs> that's, that's, that's his uncle. Nice. You can see his face. Yes. So, Oh, I feel like such a dick because I have been trying to remind myself pretty much since this show started in 2016 to point out when we get to the Cheers episode that I watched the taping of. Oh. And I missed it last February. So, yes, I saw one of the episodes from the last season of Cheers. I think it was right before they announced it would be the last season. 
But do you like uh, how do they open the show? Do they have a warm up of any kind? Who does someone come yeah, out? There's and... a warm up comic, but what I remember is it went so fast. Really, the filming went ridiculous. These people know what they're fucking doing. Mm. They know where all their marks are. They've done a rehearsal once or twice through. Everything was like first take, one pickup. John Ratzenberg doesn't on. even have to walk. He just <laughs> yeah, it was like they got done so freaking like a machine. But yeah, it's the episode where they find out the drive-in is closing. There's a drive-in in Boston, sure. And, <laughs> <laughs> sure and Frazier's never been to a drive-in. Plus, it's a Godzilla marathon. So they make Frazier be the guy that has to get in the trunk to not pay. And they go to the drive-in. <laughs> that and, episode yeah. made me want to go to drive-ins. <laughs> I remember watching that. And I had never been into a drive-in. I was like, we should go to the drive-in. I was told, they actually kind of suck. I, I hope Frazier pretentiously fun. called Godzilla a kaiju of enormous magnitude. <laughs> I don't know, but there is a joke in that episode from February about how there was an actress that's in all these Godzilla movies, and then she went on to do something else, and she left the series. Why would an actress leave a successful series like that? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are a couple months later. Yes, they were still making jokes about Shelley Long. But she comes back, she and she's is... fucking great. She is sick of people asking her about that, by the way. If, if, sure. if, if you're an interview today, she's just like, don't ask me about the decision 35 years ask ago. Ask me about Troop Beverly okay. Hills. It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. The, the, yeah. She comes back and she's just right back into it. Because she, I love Diane Chambers as a character so much because she is such an elitist snob who's way less smart than she thinks she is. <laughs> and that's what makes her so fun. That's how Frasier came into the show in the first place. That she was that was her fiance because they're both so smart and so fancy. I was going to ask you about that because he's yelling about it across the bar that I, she used yep. to be mine, and I'm like, I don't know this of Cheers. That that's yeah. how Frasier enters the show as yeah, because they're, they're both all super snooty elitists. That makes it even funnier together. that she won an Emmy, but it was still handed to her by Mike Ditka. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah, she wins. No, not an a any Emmy, a cable, a cable ace, ace award. Cable ace award, and then starts thanking all the muses by name: Tur Turk Sippery, Turk and Calliope, of course. It's like now, like shut up. I want to tell you my favorite joke because I obsessed over it. Uh, Tom Berenger is the guest star here, playing mm -hmm. Kirstie Alley's betrothed. They, what a silly plot line. Will you marry me? Oh, I want to. No. Why did I say that? This is silly. But uh, but uh, <laughs> then she agrees to marry him, and she has a, a joke and like something along the lines. I meant to, I couldn't grab it because I can't get Paramount Plus loaded. I thought I'd marry Donald Trump, but I ended up with Ed Norton. I'm like, man. Will anybody born after 1990 need to have that joke entirely recontextual? Whatever you think about Donald Trump <laughs> now, nobody wants to marry him. If if you find out your friend is doing that, like. Some good will come of this, I promise. Like, <laughs> no one would be happy for you. And no one would remember Ed... Who'd have thought Ed Norton would succeed despite having the name? <laughs> it's like it's like someone winning an Oscar being named Fred Flintstone. Uh, <laughs> she's referencing a Honeymooners character is what I'm saying, younglings, and not yep. the Hulk. Or yeah. the guy from but, Fight Club. That, that ends up being a fun ending for, him, for her because she came on as this, like, very 80s power suit business yuppie and that she should end up with a plumber she's got Works delta burke hair too god damn it uh but cheers yeah, yeah bids great. and then uh woody is the dumbest person around he's on the city council now because he ran for as a bet fraser bet him 
And I'm. It's all Frazier's fault. Uh, Everything is Frazier's fault. Extremely glad Jr. pointed this out. Uh, the Tonight Show celebrates Cheers, and um, the Tonight Show just barely having gotten going, not even a year old. Mm-hmm. Probably a big night for them. Uh, hey, if you oh, yeah. miss Cheers already, in an hour we'll have them all on. Um, they'll all be on. So here's the idea, guys. <laughs> We're gonna get all these actors who have just ended the biggest show of their lives. They're all going to get together and we'll put them in a bar for a few hours. And then after they've been in the bar for a few hours, you know, after celebrating the ending of the biggest show ever, am I? then we'll start recording. Am I incorrect? Oh, no. it, it looks like they're recording their rap party because otherwise <laughs> it's very inconvenient to get that many celebrities together to do something like this. Cause, and there's a lot of clinking and clanking in the background. It is a real functional bar and people are fucking getting hammered. Oh, this is the drunkest I have ever seen any actors on television ever. Yeah, outside uh, of this. Let's listen to them. Now, were you pretty emotional? What you, I mean, was it like a big emotional thing? I've, hold, I've held out for like 12 years to express any emotion. And, yeah. and I did it that night. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. Well, I'm not ashamed. Oh, no, no. I've been on the show for eight years. Yeah. Well, there was other things I was holding out for. <laughs> no, he wasn't, you weren't working before. <laughs> that's narcissistic. You think it was just because of you guys? <laughs> oh, I miss drunk celebrities. And they had sketches that they were planning to do, but they couldn't do it because the cast was too fucking drunk. Wow. Okay. And so there's like a solid three minutes of Jay Leno just going around shaking everyone's at the bar's hand. And it's not like famous people. It's just like random people at the bar. I'm sure it's like the doing, grip man? or something. All right, all but right. he's shaking hands for three minutes and tens of millions of people watch that. That is how he started every one of his shows, but not how he usually ended them. Uh, but yeah, that's... Uh, I, oh, I miss people being drunk on television. Good but, Lord. But it is a passing of the torch, as Jay Leno says in this clip. During Cheers, NBC could always count on Cheers to be a top ten show. After Cheers, NB executive pray daily for the continued health of Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) I really, when I saw the the cue card that said after Cheers, I'm like, is this a spinoff? Don't do this. (laughs) Well, there is actually an after Cheers spinoff coming next season. And I think officially with that season. No one likes that one, right? Yeah. It'll have lasted (laughs) as long as Cheers with that season. Yeah. With that rebooted season. But yeah, this was my first hint that Seinfeld was popular. Like mm. I don't I don't know. It wasn't reference around the playground or anything, you know. But I was a living uh, color guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh moving on to video games. Whew, long segment. Thirty years ago in video games. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh. Final cheers fact. Last cheers fact, I promise. Give it to me. There mm. were two hundred and seventy five episodes of Cheers. They got a hundred and eleven Emmy nominations. So every two and a half episodes, they got an Emmy nomination. (laughs) And again, still a a fairly good show. If you're like me and sitting and playing Zelda while you play something else on a second screen, you can do a lot worse than just letting Cheers play through, which I did. Oh, yeah. 
It was, yeah. it was yeah. fine. It, it is. It's such a solid show that, yeah, you can just kind of pick any random ass episode. You know, I think there's first couple seasons are on Prime and they're Paramount and they're like around because it's 11 seasons. You just, yeah, just watch some random ones, whatever. Although, Chris, I'm going to shill again. If you're looking for Zelda watching shows, watch season five of Angel. Oh, just let's talk about that right in the next the- segment. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, but because we got to talk about video games here, Diana, I didn't have yeah. a I didn't have a Genesis right now, mm-hmm. and Sega was really big on telling you we got this game, and you can't. Not only can you not have this on other systems, other systems can't do this. What game would that be? Uh, Sonic. It's Sonic. I'm not going to make put you on. An, you have to remember Sonic the Hedgehog. I didn't have one. Do I? Are you going to make me? You have to. It's <laughs> <laughs> funding part of the people who do this show uh, but it, but I couldn't have Sonic and it, it, back when you when you somehow aligned yourself with a corporation with what you bought like I remember they announced this game and it moved just as fast and was just as colorful and I would draw this character clawing apart Sonic the Hedgehog on my on my fucking school folders couldn't wait for Bubsy and Claws Encounter of the Fur <laughs> Kind the hype train was unbelievable, oh, Diana. Super I Nintendo mean, will have this a to me. Proof positive you can manufacture interest. Okay, Bubsy was mm-hmm. no one. No one had heard of him, mm-hmm. but they decided we are gonna make a mascot that is going to rival Sonic the we, Hedgehog. We will sign Super a, a Mario, TV animation Crash, deal Pentacoon, before the game Rayman, is out. Earthworm Jim, Arrow, <laughs> Gex, Arrow. Grok, Zoot, Bonk. Jack, Jazz, Jackrabbit, Awesome Possum, Sparkster, Plonk, Zero, Rocky, Rizdar, yeah. James Pond 2, oh, and it. Lester the Unlikely. Robocod? Okay. Ro- <laughs> those. Robocod? That is Robo-Cod. James Pond 2, Robo-Cod. I believe. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. Those were all the platformers that this game was ultimately competing against, okay? Aye. And it got so much more coverage than any of those shows because okay. it was it was doing Sonic on multiple platforms, which Sega had maintained. You don't have blast processing; you can't do that. Turns out, blast processing <sighs> was a thing, but also not really a thing, especially not a thing that another console couldn't emulate. And we got. Let's see if I'll introduce this here. I love his voice. Well, are you still playing this thing? <laughs> <laughs> the game warns you. Okay, it tries to combine Mario games with Sonic games, mm-hmm. and that's not peanut and chocolate butter that's peanut butter and tuna fish okay it doesn't combine well all right uh the fastness of sonic does not mix with the bonking of mario and exploration of mario it doesn't you're they're, they're two are mutually exclusive i tried this game when it came out because i was on the bubsy hype train yeah, i was I like it. he's gonna be super cool so I got it. He's a bobcat wearing a shirt with an exclamation point on it. I had designed that shirt like five years. It's all I wanted. Just a exc- <laughs> red exclamation point on a white shirt. Oh, uh, and I'd argue but that it, it doesn't it, hold up. The game, it's, the game is still kind of fine. It's just, mm, it just. I wouldn't give it. My it's seal notoriously of derivative and uh, no, obnoxious. I, I tried to play it this afternoon, Chris. Yeah. I booted it up. I tried to play it, and I was just like, "This is not fun." This is not enjoyable. I am not getting sucked into this game. It doesn't have a good flow to it, and that's the most important thing. I mean, it's like an airplane, but it's very much like Sonic. 
We will have this argument on Video Game Apocalypse this uh, this week. Let's make Matt squirm. Uh, Shadowrun on SNES. Speaking of Matt, she loves Shadowrun. Shadowrun on SNES, a game I could never get into. Too too adult for me. Um, uh, it's RPG meets point and click. Mm-hmm. Uh, Should have been uh, played on an SNES mouse because that's not good with a controller. It's not a good thing. Um, but it's, it's you know, uh, really trying to do the... Uh, fantasy cyberpunky uh, cyberpunk thing yeah. succeeds it's got a it's got its target demographic down my smarter path. friends all love this game i was too dumb for it i could perfectly hang the super black bass first we're doing only super nintendo games here uh do you fish chris i have fished a lot yes okay. i don't like it this is this is the most realistic fishing game because it's boring. Oh my gosh. I do not get how they thought, let's make this boring of a game. Yeah, on a I booted console, up my Super Nintendo, went out for like two hours, didn't catch anything, but man, those vibes. Mm. <laughs> it's nothing. Uh, the, the next game, I again, it was like part of the platform wars. Uh, Tasmania was a huge show. The Genesis got their own like Tasmania side scroller, and we got this weird Super Nintendo one. And in hindsight, I like it even more. You are Taz, but you are basically Rad Racer. You run forward and eat fucking chickens <laughs> while you run to give yourself <laughs> energy. It looks cooler. It's way more original. Uh, it's a nice little Sunsoft joint. I can't say the same for Alien Three, which came out in some version in every platform. I cannot believe it's this late. When did we talk about Alien 3? Like, that was a, like a year ago. Yeah, and a year is not that long in 1993. I guess not, culture. yeah. I mean, things stuck around so much longer than they do today. It's it's not even I just I think I'm thinking of the it's, advertisements that were in every game magazine for what felt like a decade. It's exactly a year. Wow. Probably yeah. similar with Batman Returns finally hitting Super Nintendo. Kind of one Why? of the... God, that's a long time. Perfectly fun. I love Batman Returns game. One, because they all they usually have a Christmas level, and that was pretty rare. Nice. And they're just competent belt scroller, walk forward and punch people kind of games that I just, I love Final, in the vein of Final Fight, uh, which I love. All right. I guess technically Batman Returns is, it's a shorter window. It's only an 11 month 11 window. and a half months, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, thought, I figured those, the next go round for Batman these will be out day and date with the movie. Um, but uh, la- that's the way love goes by Janet Jackson. Our last week's closer is number one in music of 1993, uh, the 19th to the 25th of May. Other new music releases include new uh, organics, the debut of the roots. Um, why do they call me Mr. Happy by no means? No, give a monkey a brain and he'll swear. He's the center of the universe by fishbone. Kamakiri uh, ad by Donald Fagan. Me a Mars by Ricky Martin. Uh, Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. And we're going to close out with only by Anthrax because this is Diana's thing, I guess. I don't know many Anthrax songs that aren't from the Judgment Night soundtrack. No, this uh, actually got some some radio play for Anthrax, which they very rarely got and got, you know, Headbangers Ball type stuff, you know, got on some MTV. All right. Good for you, Scotty. And let's take us out of that. We have two more segments of the show, but with a lot less shit to talk about. So stay with us.
Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Today we're going to be covering the Brian De Palmer film, Blowout. Yep. And I've heard yeah. of Brian De Palma. I didn't have a sense of him as a filmmaker. That's If, if okay. you said, what's a Brian De Palma film? I'd be like, I know the name? Your lifetime yeah. has been in largely Brian De Palma work for hire stuff. Has, okay, yeah. did he also do Scarface? Yes, or my yes. yeah. yes. Okay. okay. And the Untouchables. I, I run very hot and cold with De Palma. Like oh, I've yes. seen a lot of his movies and when he's good, he's really, really good. And when he's bad, it is unwatchable. Uh, and okay. sometimes you get the best of both worlds and you call that movie Body Double. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, you... <laughs> he, I love he, Body Double. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming in with a danger high voltage by the Electric Six off of the album Fire. That's out this week. Welcome to 302010, segment two, 2003, 20 years ago. You heard the 30, and here's the 20. 20 years ago, May 19th to the 25th. New music releases this week include High Anxiety by Therapy. Who put a question mark in the teleprompter? Uh, Alamos de Silencio by Ricky Martin. Wow, 10 years to the day almost. Yeah. Uh, Anthem by Less Than Jake. Uh, Birds of Prey by Live, Black Like Sunday by King's X, Born to Be Free by Sonic, uh, the self-titled album from the Deftones, 14 Shades of Grey by Stained, Harem by Sarah Biggington, Mississippi, the album by David Banner, and of course, Poodle Hat by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Get Busy by uh, Sean Paul is still number one. Okay, couple things. First, I don't know who Sarah Binghamton is, but that's Sarah Brightman. Number two... Does this mean that uh, the lady that wrote Fifty Shades of Grey is a huge Stain fan? Because she had to up it from 14 to 50. Wow. Wow. That's like and Nintendo 64 three, shit there. And number three, I apologize to all Electric Six fans for not playing Gay Bar, which is a song I like even more, but Danger High Voltage was the one that actually charted. I think I've seen you or your husband karaoke is that, that song. <laughs> is that the one where it's, we're going to a gay bar, gay yep. bar, gay bar? Yep. Gotta drop the bomb at the gay bar. <laughs> That about that about surmises the obnoxiousness of my progressiveness in my teens. Like, I'm not sure if I was a great ally or just wanted to piss off the squares even more. Uh, yeah, 2003, 20 years ago. Um, let's get some news out of the way before we talk about the major stuff. Paul McCartney performs his first ever concert in Russia in Moscow's, Moscow's Red Square to a crowd of over 100,000 people. Yeah, he's feeling, back in the uh, U.S., back in the U.S., back in the... In the Republic of <laughs> Russian <laughs> States. The Russian Federation. Red yeah. Federation. Yeah, he meets with Putin. Putin's a fan. 
I don't know. <laughs> why we talked about it in 30 2010 a few years ago. The first person to rock concert in Russia was Billy Joel, who played back in the USSR. If you've ever seen that, it was going viral a couple of years ago of him destroying his piano with a microphone. And he's trying to tell the people to stop lighting the audience because they stop dancing and enjoying themselves when the camera crew starts lighting the audience up because they it's Russia's first rock concert. So you can hear him yelling, stop lighting. He's not having a tantrum. He's trying to scream to the crew who won't listen to him. Stop ruining these people's good time. I like recontextualizing a tantrum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, That's but, pretty good. Yeah, no, but Paul McCartney, like he'd heard for so many years that, you know, in... So back in the Soviet era that, you know, bootleg Beatles stuff was really popular, but of course it was all super underground. It was under so. the name The Potatoes. <laughs> no, it was just very, it was hidden, man. It was hidden. And so he, he released an album called uh, Chova V SSSR in like 87, 88. I've got a couple Whoa. copies of it around. It's, it's a good album and it's just him doing like early rock covers and it was released in Russia just before it fell and it was like yeah as they're they're opening up a glass nose and stuff like i'm gonna put out an actual album for russia and yeah it's a solid <laughs> album. Know so, that. like he he primed the pump mm. and it's like okay i can actually go now and actually like do this official like sure and yeah he plays back in the ussr and they go nuts they love it which means they heard it cool yeah. I mean, when Billy Joel performed. Uh, and Kate yeah. Winslet also married Sam Mendez. They divorced in 2011. And, yeah. and, and but please bear with me because I found something I wanted to share with you. Just that we talked in the last segment about video rentals. In the next segment, it'll be, we're in the streaming era. We're somewhere in between in the middle segment of 30, 2010. And part of the reason you're seeing all these streaming services come out of nowhere is because these content distributors like Warner Brothers and Disney want nothing more than to sell things to you directly so they don't have to give iTunes a cut, Comcast a cut. They love they've loved the idea to sell things to you directly. It's why they still make movies and such and sell DVDs. And I found this hilarious article about Disney trying to like cut out the middleman in every way. They're like, yeah, the next fall we're going to have destructible DVDs like that hasn't happened before. But yeah. DVDs that self-destruct Testing in markets that wasn't me was a service I had never heard of, but has a few commercials and is absolutely hysterical. They don't say the Disney name, but this is Disney. The idea here is for you to buy a thing that streams movies over the internet, or no, over coaxial cable at this point. Uh, some directly in theaters, so th it's just hysterical. 20 years ago, we're still about 10, no, we're still, we're still we're about five years off of streaming over the internet. Here's this commercial. The setting is a video store and a woman carrying out 8,000 uh, DVDs and VHSs and alarm goes off at the door. So picture that. It's a very visual. But the, 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 the service is called Movie Beam. They don't mention Disney, but this is owned by Disney. This is their thing. Movie Beam can do what no video store can. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you? It's a hundred movies. Yeah, but you can't. I thought I'd take these home, kind of look through them with the family. Then if we decide to watch one, I'll pay you for it. What about the rest? Well, I'll just hang on to them. And you'll bring me ten new movies every week. I will? And you won't charge me any of those late fees either. <laughs> I won't? With Movie Beam, there's always a hundred movies to rent and enjoy right at home. And updated each week with ten new movies, from new releases to popular favorites. The best way to watch movies at home. How's that sound? Movie Beam! 
can you imagine the luxury of paying for Disney movies in your house, but you have to buy a $150 box to stick in your house? <laughs> but, but, and then, but then do you have to pay per movie too? Yes. <laughs> but that's what, just, what it, that's just the, the same. They're as acting the, like know... pay-per-view doesn't exist. Yeah. But I, I there might've been a subscription service. Eventually movie gallery buys this service to try and yeah. buy themselves a little more time. Isn't it confusing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how long did this take? I don't know that this even reached nationwide. It, it like was only testing in three cities, but it is, there are a couple commercials for it with people you might recognize from other shows that are all about 10 movies every week. Oh God, <laughs> what a luxury. You're telling me there's a hundred movies on this service. It, it, it seems silly by the staggering amount of movies we have access to for, for little to nothing or free that you would have to pay. Imagine paying 150 bucks for your Roku, for your Roku for, and then never get HD channels, but they're trying. But movie beam is a company I've never heard of. It obviously didn't test in my town. Uh, but yeah, this is, again, I, I love putting it here cause it's straddling the <clears throat> renaissance of home video VHSs and streaming, uh, in our show, but it, but this is all being announced this week and we'll probably never have a good reason to talk about movie beam ever again. <laughs> that is some straight up bullshit. <laughs> also, can I just plug canopy? I love canopy so much. Never. It, it doesn't work consistently, but like if it did, it'd be the greatest thing in the world. It works consistently for me. I don't I'm know sure what your it does. Your problem. fancy metropolitan. That's one of the best libraries in the country. God damn it. Uh, the San yeah. Francisco library. Yeah. But. No, I, I got canopy through um, my, my current County didn't have it for a while. So, uh, but where I work did in a different County. Mm. So I could sign up for a library card using my work address. <laughs> and then I got access to canopy through a different library. You could probably do that from anywhere in the country. Just like, yeah, I live in New York. My address is at Gracie Mansion. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we, we did a, a, an episode about sort of the history of cable on Laser Time a couple of years back. And I think since like the 50s or 60s, they've had boxes you could buy that use the telephone that could send you Ooh. movies or unlock movies. I don't know exactly how it worked, but it's a technology that existed for a while. But you can see... Thirty percent is about what every company takes away from the movie companies uh, out of their. That's their cut. So Disney's thinking if we can buy our own box, you don't get to take anything, uh, and we can afford to sell it cheaper. Anyway, but it's one hundred and fifty bucks hundred and fifty, and they are twenty not years ago money, with, and they're not leading with the Disney name. The, so, the, what they're showing in the it's it's, stupid. it's every studio it's really they're stupid. showing like they're Harry Potter and shit. But they're also not giving you Disney stuff for free. I think if they were saying that, like we might have heard a little more about this. This is um, dumb. It is dumb, but it's 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 the world slowly forming itself of uh, streaming entertainment. Uh, we just talked about like yeah, big iTunes update from like twenty years ago. Shit's slowly getting more convenient. It's it becoming undeniable. Uh, anyway, moving on to movies of two thousand three. Here's a movie I didn't see: Robin Tooney, Ryan Reynolds, Candace Bergen. David Sushet, uh, Albert Brooks, and Michael Douglas in The In-Laws. Jerry knows feet. This gentleman will need surgery. It's not a big deal. At worst, you lose a toe. Steve knows danger. You're a smuggler, a pimp. With a CIA. No, we have to kill him. Our hands enough already. On May 23rd. Our son and daughter are going to be married. We're stuck with each other. The family that spies together. Give me a hug. Stays together. Oh, my mother of me. Ah! Ah! We're fine. 
Michael Douglas, <laughs> Albert Brooks, The In-Laws, rated PG-13. Oh, The In-Laws. Is this a remake? Yep. Yeah. The original is so much better. Oh, my God. Because it's Peter Falcon and Alan Arkin. We're just the <laughs> schlubbiest fucking normal-looking dudes. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. They're trying to run away from oh gunfire. God. They're so bad at it. Oh, my God. My in-law's <laughs> a spy. I can't even believe it. Serpentine! <laughs> There's no reason. to Watch the original. Yeah, it really is. Or watch the original. Like, they don't... You know, and I, I love all these people. These It's a cool cast. But, yeah, they don't goose it up enough and you know albert brooks acting exasperated at someone's wackiness sure always great always gold but yeah this was just eh, no they didn't they didn't zhuzh it up enough well it's gotta get out of the i don't know why they'd release that yeah. up against another big comedy i know that that's the fun thing about this week is that it seems to be memorial day weekend and so we have basically two movies each one we mm -hmm. have and also ran and the guy they're getting out of the way for. Mm. And yeah. that would be Steve Carell? Not exactly. Jennifer Aniston? Not exactly. Morgan Freeman? No, probably no. I don't know. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, 2003. Number one at the box office. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Bruce Almighty. When you leave this building, you will be endowed with all my powers. <laughs> all the powers of God. This holiday season... The guy next door. I've never seen the moon that big. We really shouldn't waste it. Gets a shot at being the man upstairs. Sam. Jim Carrey. Bruce Almighty. Coming holds up 20 years later like a, a man with the powers of God blowing up a woman's skirt against her will. <laughs> a PG comedy. And man, I watched this. Biggest. Mm grossing Jim Carrey film of all time. Wow. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No other film of his made as much money as this film. You know, what I, about I Sonic 2? <laughs> uh, that's not really a I know Jim what you're saying. Carrey I know what you're saying. Film. Because this is a Jim Carrey fucking film. This is like everybody yeah. from the Ace Ventura, the same director, the writer of Ace Ventura. Uh, yep. And he's, he's had like a little bit of a slump. I mean, How the Grinch Stole Christmas was three years ago. That made a ton of money. But then he made the Majestic and he's starting to get serious. And like right here, I think, is actually when, I mean, this is, yeah, this this is the top of the mountain, I think, for mm -hmm. Jim Carrey. This is like the peak of his career, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Because it's also the point where he has the wackiest of comedies. And then when he starts doing dramas, they're like the best dramas. Mm -hmm. Like he starts nailing yeah. it. This is his financial peak. Next year is his artistic peak. Oh, Next year is function. going to give me the best Jim Carrey film of all time. Mm. Yep. All right. Thousand percent. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I saw this a long time ago. Didn't care for it. If it's streaming on Peacock and I turn and it has all the shit I hate about big studio comedies. We're in Buffalo. I'm like, you're on the Los Angeles Universal set, and that's the Back to the Future clock. What, I know. what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not clearly not Buffalo. Uh, the score is atrocious. It tells you funny <laughs> things are happening. Ding, 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 ding. Ugh, it's so <laughs> gross. But Jim Carrey is a gifted comedic performer, and this the sequence I love the most watching this is almost the entirety of the trailer when he realizes he has God powers. That shit is hilarious, and like nobody else could do this. 
and yeah they I, keep it super classy too <laughs> no no they no they don't uh here we go <laughs> honey last night was just heavenly i know i know i mean i know i woke up this morning and i felt like like my boobs were bigger i mean do they look bigger to you uh what no um hmm? no uh bigger oh come on Look at them! Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle! Please. They are definitely bigger. I mean, look—they feel they huge. They get bigger while the scene is going on, and, and that's I, what I, I sort of like about the movie. This scene, compared to some of the superhero movies we've watched from the same era, the CG is like that's pretty good. Like, oh yeah, there's there's a I mean there's a lot of effects based stuff going on here. You know, I oh we have every now and then where things. I wish they lined up a little bit better because I would love to talk about this movie in the context of Groundhog Day. I was, okay. I mean, that's how I did want to vote because we have a, in all three segments, we have like big, com- big comedy movies, comedy follow ups. This is a reteaming of the Liar Liar crew and Ace Ventura to make kind of the perfect amalgam of both those things a high concept, silly, very physical performance from Jim Carrey, which he's kind of gets tired of doing around this time. Yeah. Don't blame him. It looks freaking exhausting. Yeah. But yeah, now this in a lot of ways, this is very similar to Groundhog Day mm-hmm. in that it's someone who is now imbued with a power that puts him outside of society. He basically has power over society now, whether it's just foreknowledge of everyone, what they're going to do during the day, or it's literally God's power. And then he kind of like learns this lesson about like caring about other people. And then it's got a happy ending. And this one, I feel like it gets gooier and sappier yep. in, in it, way thicker than Groundhog Day does. And yeah, the idea that once given all these crazy powers, he immediately starts just doing stupid shit with them yes. instead of useful oh. shit. And then he starts realizing with great power comes great responsibility. And then he's like, okay, never mind. I don't want this. I get it. It's a comedy. How about this? Uh, Every single virus hurting a human being now dies. Snap, God power. Everyone starving has uh, food in front of them whenever they want it. Snap, power. I mean, nope. that, that took me 30 seconds, and I just solved so many yeah, problems but in that's, the world. I think <laughs> so a, many. A, a, in, in a rare act of uh, <laughs> lowbrow comedy and high-level theology, his decisions have massive recourse you can make the moon giant in order to get laid but you might cause a tsunami in japan those Mm. eliminating those diseases might have repercussions even god can't force he's trying to it's so weird i figured religious people would get more up in arms about this that god is so sick of one guy complaining about him he's like you try and be me it's hard uh (laughs) why him shockingly there's numerous points of this that do not meet uh, the theological beliefs of <laughs> most churches. I know, shocking. But uh, I, I feel like religious people are so happy to get yeah. anything that they kind of let it slide unless it's actively hateful. It's it's like when a band mentions your hometown or sports team. They talked about our guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they mentioned our guy. Exactly. But I love that you brought up Groundhog Day because it's like, this is the case in a lot of Bill Murray movies, but like, the more he's a cantankerous asshole, the more I'm enjoying the movie and the hmm. more the more he's misbehaving. But Bill Murray can convey a sadness. Not that Jim Carrey's a bad actor, but like he doesn't have like the same like pathos on his face. And the, the director doesn't isn't good at that. Harold Ramis was. Yeah. 
And well, I feel I like Jim Carrey can't balance it. He can yeah. do pathos, but he can't combine the two. Yes. And he I, kind of turns it on or off. I hate the movie when he's not misbehaving or being rude to people. I mm. hate it. And the, the rest of it, I was surprised. Like, I am laughing. I am laughing at this movie. I thought I hated outright. It's a lot of this still works. And part of that is just like nobody. There's a scene where like, I, I'll use my God powers to turn into Clint Eastwood. And like, if you know his early stand-up career or the movie he's in called Rubber Face, because he, he did impressions where he changed his face, including changing his face into Clint Eastwood. And he just does that in the movie. And they treat it like a godlike power, even though Jim Carrey could do that in the 80s. With no, with no CG. He, he at least has a demiurge face, Chris. I mean, Jim Carrey's <laughs> face borders on the supernatural. True. Okay? It, it is like, doesn't get enough credit for being like a chiseled, handsome man. Everything you're supposed to have in a beautiful face, Jim Carrey has with perfect hair. Yep. But balancing so beautifully with last week, who's the breakout of this movie? Well, Carell, sort of. It's totally Stephen Carell as I, probably the funniest scene. I remember an interview with him, and it was Stephen Carell is how yeah. he is billed. <laughs> he's he's talking about the power of the Daily Show, which at the time is it like I don't know if we'll have a place to mention it is at the height of its powers. The 2004 indecision thing that'll happen next year is like major ratings for a cable mm -hmm. channel, and because of that, Steve Carell's like I have only been cast in Hollywood films as newscasters. <laughs> like I, I am an improvisational mm. comedian. I do That's accents. I have only been an anchor man and this movie, which she would go <laughs> in a star in this spinoff of, which I think is the most expensive comedy movie ever made. Uh, yep. But, but good. No, it's well, actually, no. It, it's, it's legacy. I think taints this. I don't want to call this a good movie, but I had a much better time than I expected going into it. Cause I hated it the first time I saw it. Uh, but yeah. and I hate aspects of it because it's the stuff I, if I see, I love the first Ace Ventura, you know, transphobia and all, not really, but, but I love that level of Jim Carrey. And he's at that level the whole time in that film, the mask, uh, when he's the mask, great, dumb and dumber, gorgeous, all the same year, by the way, we'll talk about it in a few months, but, uh, yeah, he's going to have such a year. It's the I, biggest I year for any human being in history. I think it, like, I agree. Yeah. His, 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 what do you call that? how much he makes per movie changes every three months and, oh. <laughs> and by exponentially. Uh, it, but yeah, still like a talented dude when he throws his clothes off and makes that pose, like that shit's hilarious. That is, that is a great moment. That is one that I do actually like start thinking about how is that effect done? That's very impressive. Yeah. Wires, and, wires, right? <laughs> and I, I thought, well, I get, we can talk about that later about like the difficulty of making comedies. We did a laser time, I think around the time of the, 2016 Ghostbusters, a effects-based comedies very rarely work. And there's a plenty of good effects and things happening to Jim Carrey that are just, this is good. This is, that's a good effect. He's making, he's, his physical acting prowess, it works really well with effects. And <laughs> I, yeah, I was sort of blown away. Like this doesn't suck. This, do, a lot of it, it, it checks so many sucky boxes, but it doesn't suck. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. I hate to, I hate to break it to everyone. Um, <laughs> But it's, I mean, to me, it's, it's fine. The good parts are very good. And I just feel like it doesn't balance it out too much or as, as well as it could. Like there's so much in this premise and they kind of don't worry about it. But how about this JR, no matter what you think about it, 
It knocked your baby Matrix Reloaded right off of number one. This $40 million <laughs> comedy. Like just, uh, no, it's not 40. I think it's way more than that. It's but, like 80, yeah, but it 20 makes like goes $500 million yeah. for a comedy. I, I think I was reading that like this, uh, this is the year where a bunch of new movies start grossing over two, $300 million domestically, which wasn't really the case. Now we just... All summer movies are supposed to do that to break even, but like that was pretty astounding back then. It was a this is a big year for blockbusters, and Bruce Almighty is in the top five, I think. Um, I think so. I think it's number five or six. Yeah, it's year, it's yeah. it's huge. It's a huge film, and um, yeah, once again, shocked it I, went over. It that means it went over fine with the religious crowd, despite being pretty sacrilegious. Well, um, a couple I countries banned it. It's true. <laughs> I think it was the highest non animated grossing comedy of all time for about a year yeah and that's Hmm. if you need to contextualize why they spent so much on evan almighty the the precedent had been set like okay we're not going to get protest religious people might go see this except malaysia and egypt who all eventually unbanned this movie yeah (coughs) but uh but yeah i like that they're banning it not because they find it offensive about what it's saying about god it's just that it's wrong to depict god yes just the act of doing it you just shouldn't depict if they sent them a paragraph of what the film is about they would have banned it from that it has nothing to do with what's actually in the film uh but yeah bruce almighty i don't know i'll never not love jim carrey so maybe i'm an idiot i had a much better time with this than i expected moving on to television of 2003 the 19th through the 23rd through the 25th of May and JR, you mentioned earlier, my assignment is to watch all of Angel's fifth season season while I'm playing something like, I don't know, say Zelda, which I hate being here to record and edit because all I want to do is be zelda Uh, But what I did watch this week was Buffy the Vampire Slayer's final episode uh, this week. Uh, it started in 1997, so hey, we at 302010 have covered the entire run. Reminded me yeah. of... Beverly Hills 902 and oh, the end of high school is the third season. Same with Buffy. Uh, they're not freshmen when they start. But I, in my head, I love how Buffy ends. I love it. It is what I thought The Last Jedi was doing. And if you have yeah. heard me say how I love The Last Jedi, it ends with like, fuck the Skywalkers. This ability is in everybody. And this, the Slayer, mytho- mythologically in the show, goes to one person at a time. One person in the world, a woman, will be the slayer, the person who has to rise up and defeat the demonic army of, uh, I don't know, Hellspawn, whatever. And what is it? In the fourth season, Buffy dies, and while she dies, the power is transferred over to Eliza Dusku, but she's resurrected, so there's two slayers living simultaneously, and they decide, we're all about to get fucked and die. Why don't we unlock the ability to, like, we need to see what, Women around the world have the potential to be the Slayer and then trigger that switch that launches it in all of them in order to come here and fight this madness. And in my head, I'm like, that's fucking rad. And you do need to see the episode before the last episode. This is still a CW show, and it looks like it costs $4. (laughs) It looks, it is all in one room. Major character deaths that, like, meant nothing to me because I was small. And there is something about, like, it, I, I hate. I, I don't cherish the idea of giving Joss Whedon credit. So you know, don't throw shit at me. But he did define how the Marvel movies sound on paper, and this is the early version of that. And it is cringy now. It is very cringy. Throw shit at me. He's not a good person. He is a good artist. Okay. 
I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The two are not mutually no, I, but exclusive. But I'm saying the, the style that he helped pioneer, which like, mm-hmm. dude. Because it got too broad. Yes. Okay, when it was just Joss Whedon mm-hmm. doing Joss Whedon, it was, okay, I I like paprika. I do. I think it's a good spice. I don't want it on every goddamn meal. I don't want your paprika on my oatmeal. No, thank you. Okay. Uh, That's what we got because the Avengers exploded and that pre Avengers Marvel was not Joss Whedon after Avengers Whedon creeped all over the Marvel verse. He put his fingers in it and people kept copying it to the point when we have reached diminishing returns, okay? Buffy the Vampire Slayer did not live in that environment. Buffy Mm. the Vampire Slayer and Angel were their own unique things. The voice was still fresh. Uh, This is a TV show aimed at teenage girls that a wide brand of non-people in that demographic embraced. Do you know how rare that is? Yeah. What an accomplishment (laughs) that is? Yeah. I mean, most people most teenage boys mock anything teenage girls like and here oh, they yeah. embraced it this you it, know i want to go to bat for buffy and i want to do want i was I'm like yeah i'll definitely do the angel thing after the planning for this 30 2010 episode is over but it's just like i haven't had to confront i watched the first i watched the whole season kind of in one shot over the course of 6 months and didn't really revisit it this season, no, the whole show. Oh, okay, the whole show, the whole show, okay. and like even then, I'm like, Ugh, uh, non HD isn't doing this any favor. I think it is in HD now, even though it wasn't shot with that in the mind. Transfer is one of the great crimes of transfer, they really should redo it. It's no, I'm serious. If you Google what has been the worst up res, yeah, Buffy is going to be on it, the it, list. That might have been part are... of it because like Nathan Fillion is murdered here while. Black blood is spilling out of his eyes, and he's playing a demonic southern preacher. What's not to like about this? It looks like fucking shit. And this, the end of the show <laughs> ends with the entire town of Sunnydale caving into the center of the earth. AI has better <laughs> CG sequences than this episode does. It all okay. looks... I watched Carnosaur this week. Okay. This yeah. still looks worse. <laughs> I really don't think that we're that far away from up-resing the special effects fairly easily with AI. So if the special effects are what's keeping you from watching Buffy, wait five to ten years. Because in five to ten years, I guarantee you there's going to be the special effects upgrade mod, and you can watch it with all the Maybe. special effects. That's not the point of Buffy. It, it isn't. Buffy it's, it's in 2003 was a network television show and not even a big four network television show. It was the also ran network. Okay. Uh, it's reach exceeded its grasp so much, but you're there for the characters. You're, you're seven years of growing to love Buffy, growing to love Xander, growing to love Willow, growing to love Giles. You know, these are great characters in my opinion. I think there's a lot of depth there and you get the closure that you want from them in this episode. And yeah, I love it that they gave Buffy a reason that she doesn't have to fight anymore because yeah. that's the whole thing. She wanted mm. to be a cheerleader. She wanted to have a normal childhood. She couldn't. She had that responsibility. She was the only one who could do it. And the ending gives her her happy ending because now she's not the only one she's who has free. to do it. Yeah, She's the, 
free. The world, and, and it's, that's it's watching the Last Jedi with Broom Kid. It's like, oh, the world is filled with capable hands. If we can somehow unlock this and everybody, uh, and the Empire is unnatural. What is the Andor speech? It was really great. Um, and and but one, I was praying for. Uh, I didn't like the idea of the recently reported reboot of Buffy. Yes, especially without Joss Whedon. I don't know. That didn't really work when he wasn't allowed to be involved very much. We already have evidence of that. But also, like, yeah, this could be rebooted. And and also, because I don't know this ever happening again. Maybe it, it, did you follow it in the season eight of Buffy? Oh, the comic? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I did not. It's not I, uh... terrible. It, it, it's written by Joss Whedon, and Buffy is basically kind of a Nick Fury character from a bunch of, like, plane-repelling badass lady slayers but they that they called it season eight and nine i think they went up to nine ten or eleven i can't remember because i didn't go all the way with it but yeah that they continued the story this storyline in comics like immediately uh Hmm. season wise written by the original creators uh but yeah buffy it's still i still have a ton of affection for it i can't deny every character talks exactly the same (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but like like JR said, nobody else was doing this. It was a wildly distinct flavor that went on to inform what is mainstream now. But uh, the building blocks of the things everybody loves are in this show that nobody, not a lot of people did. The ratings for this season were real bad. And Yeah. Uh, well, this is the worst season. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that this is the worst season of Buffy. And... You can skip most of it. Do do my JR Speed to watch people. If you've never watched Buffy, look up the 20 best episodes of all time. There's going to be very few season seven episodes other than the finale. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, the body, hush, all that shit. Uh, all the stuff Joss is actually writing, but whatever. Now, for, I, I, I did love my run with Buffy, and I don't think if you love the show, what I'm saying is like, ah, the show sucks now, but it's just like, who boy, it felt like it just wasn't the same in my head from 15 years ago as it was now. It does not, because it's widescreen and HD now, and uh, you, you'll see some boom mics in there occasionally, because those people weren't supposed to be in frame originally. Uh, but anyway, moving on to other shows. That, that, that makes it officially 20 years since uh, I told people, okay, well, now that Buffy's over, I could just uh, watch the whole thing. I don't have to worry about getting caught up, and then not doing it. I've seen, like, <laughs> I've seen like three episodes of Buffy and they, they were fine. And it's like, yeah, I probably would enjoy this and go back and watch it. And I just never do. That episode, the body is like the most authentic expression of someone in your life suddenly dying around you. And it's just heartbreaking yeah. every single time for a show that constantly had people <laughs> you, they love dying around them. <laughs> uh, just incredible. But uh, also There's some really incredible episodes of Buffy. Give it a shot if you haven't. Just I'm telling you, though, those first ones. couple two seasons are even cheaper and uglier. Like, oh my God, the purple <laughs> filter. Whew. You don't have to be a completionist against every TV show. True, okay, true. You, can, you can't do that. Do the JR method. 20 best Buffy episodes. Very few mm-hmm. from season one, very few from season seven. Just get the best. But man, season three. Whew, so good. Uh, also, the weakest link, link ends um, this week at after it started. Jeez, only two years? It felt like it was around for much longer. Oh, I guess it was in England. Uh, it was, yeah. It was an export, and, and it went to syndication, I yeah. think, after... Yeah, it was... They were trying to do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. The You know, it's a prime time, big, 
big game show, the lots of production really values. Really stern lady. And just died fast here. True. And then I think it's back again. Just, you know, as a game show, because it's just it's just a game show. Yes. But where the host berates you. And yeah. we have a clip. Yeah, it's mean. I can never not think of that show without thinking of this clip from Family Guy. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. That's really funny. Do, do you write your own material? Do you? Because that is so fresh. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. You know, I've, I've never heard anyone make that joke before. Mm, you're the first. I've never heard anyone reference, reference that outside the program before. Because that, that's what she says on the show, right? Isn't it? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. And, and, and yet you've taken that and, and used it out of context to insult me in this everyday situation. God, what a clever, smart girl you must be <laughs> to come up with, with a joke like that all by yourself. Mm, that's so fresh, too. Any, any titanic <laughs> jokes you want to throw at me as long as we're hitting these phenomena at the height of their popularity? Because mm? I'm, I'm, I'm here. God, you're so funny. <laughs> I've done that. Mm. I've done that to someone I didn't much care for, and I just did I gotta, that I, speech near verbatim about something else. For far um, too long, I have kept my official Budweiser Was Up shirt in a koozie... Unlice, unofficial that says, is that your final answer on it uh, for my beer? <laughs> uh, yeah, but people were doing that. They were doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, whew, uh, trash. America's Next Top Model debuts on UPN, um, which I didn't watch, but I... <laughs> trying to remember this, this, this season that uh, kind of a friend was on. Uh, her life changed a lot. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. We're we're at the end of season two of American Idol, which we'll talk about in a second. Right. And so the competition reality show is really starting to take off. With the word American, and yeah, America's America's Next Top Models is one of the first ones. And just Tyra Banks. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't like yeah. watching? And you know, it's one of those where it's like, well, how do you how do you compete as a model? Like, doesn't isn't like the photographer who's doing the photographs isn't that matter and then like i watched some of it and i'm like oh that's how you do it well, I think okay the, i wouldn't have thought of that and talking to a friend of mine about it that it's like when i'm a model you don't hear from me but the show is kind of positioning you to like ruin your career uh <laughs> to make you look like an asshole on national television but that's normally like no one sees that at my job. No one sees it at most people's jobs. Mm. Uh, and while, yeah, it played it up, like, they are encouraging you to, like, go at one another because it's a lady competition yeah. show. Speaking of lady competition shows, Jenny Jones just lost a talk show competition. Um, oh, her show ends. So I, I, uh, I turned in to one Jenny Jones show when I was young-ish, and it was all about giant breasted models like ridiculously large <laughs> ones you know um with 1990 implants mm. you know Ooh. like like rocks and i watched that and then i watched every episode of the jenny jones show for a month hoping <laughs> that something similar would come up and uh did not You're like the boys so. in the finale of cheers tuning into the cable ace awards just to watch gazungas Mm-hmm. Which was why they saw Shelley Long. Um, I I am shocked that Jenny Jones went this long, seeing as it's 
you know, one one of the millions of talk shows we had during sort of the '90s talk show wars, where you got kind of Springer at one end uh, of the spectrum. You got Ricky Lake. You got Montel. Someone's got to uh, feed Top Maury Soup. Povich. Talk Soup needed needed, yeah. <laughs> needed chum. Yeah, you <laughs> had so so many talk shows, but. In 1995, this one got someone killed. Yep, one of the few to get someone actually Ooh. murdered. And this yeah. kept going till 2003. Yeah. Well, uh, no, that's not cool. That's not cool at all. The Jerry Springer show is that people have been talking about a lot since he died semi-recently is proof that we didn't really put that kind of scrutiny on television, whether it was good for the people watching it or good for the people on it. <laughs> no, we knew no. it was bad for everyone. We didn't care. I, yeah, you can't even I, pretend. Even the bookers. I, 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 I was I was shocked because I didn't know this that the Jerry Springer show would hire wrestlers to mm-hmm. be fake people. On that's how fucking fake it was, and how designed they yes. were to fight. They got professional fighters, regional wrestlers, people didn't know to appear in the show with people with actual problems. Uh, but yeah, the show, what because they revealed a gay crush, a guy and a guy, guys goes and kills yep. him. Yeah, and on the show, he's like, oh, my friend is saying that he is attracted to me. That's that's too bad. I don't think that way about you. And then a couple days later, uh, he killed the guy. Yeah, using the kind of the gay panic defense. Oh, I was humiliated on TV by my friend were you? who's gay saying that he liked me. Somebody said you were attractive. Jesus Christ. Somebody likes you yeah. as a position I'm in where nobody likes me. Holy Lord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, somebody, uh, he went to jail and the victim's family <laughs> sued the show and were initially given like $25 million. And Ooh. I think that was... Reverse whittled down, but yeah, yeah, it's always whittled down. Yeah, no, the '90s talk show era, um, uh, not good, not good for us. But was when no, you you talk about cheap us. shows, cheap, 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 and utterly ooh, disposable, ooh, ooh, ooh. utterly disposable. Yep, and uh, less disposable. I think everyone has a f- affection for Supermarket Sweep, and I did not know it lasted as long as it did. Yeah. This was my dream. You know, it wasn't real to me. Oh, they get $10,000. That's a lot of money. Go to the supermarket and get whatever you want. It, it is. Whatever it is, you want. It is the Nickelodeon toy run for adults. Yeah. Just, yeah. just scoop it in. As, <laughs> as, as a kid, I would have just gone to the cookie aisle, filled up my thing with cookies. As an adult, razor blades. Yeah. Nothing but goddamn oh. razor blades. Electric I am toothbrush heads. Oh. Yeah, I am, I am going to the toiletries aisle, getting nothing but razor blades, tooth holders for electric toothbrushes, all that stuff. Yeah, oh, I'm getting excited thinking about it. But a show, a show had been around since 1965 because it was what do you like a more blue collar version of Price is Right? How the fuck am I supposed to know how much that Jeep or dinette set costs? But most people know grocery prices because we have to. Yeah. It's part yeah. of every the regular person's budget. That's why it's always like a cliche. Ask the politician how much milk is. Yeah. He doesn't buy his milk. <laughs> I buy my milk. I know how much milk is. You know, mm-hmm. Donald Trump mentioning needing an ID to buy groceries recently because <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it started in 1965. Came back in the 90s. Was that to like what channel was it? The Discovery. It was on the. Lifetime. I remember Lifetime. it being on Lifetime, but yeah. I think it moved around a bit. But yeah, ends and I think came back again in some form, but I can't remember. But moving on to the the biggest, it's just 
simplest idea there is. Hey, it's fun to watch. It's just fun to watch someone with a cart who's not good at running run around as fast as they can <laughs> trying to grab things off shelves. Yeah. It's always fun. And uh, I think the biggest competition show in town is American Idol, where huge breakout success where like everybody on the show is sort of a star. But then like because it was like such a phenomenon, I felt like there was weeks where I didn't hear the names Ruben Sutter and Clay Aiken every day. Every day mm -hmm. where like people, they were like pro bowl teams. Like people really were behind both of these guys. And I think in terms of their musical success, both of them may have had a little more than most any winner uh, in the shows. Cause they like, yeah. even Clay Aiken, like who, like who didn't arguably more successful than Ruben Sutter. But I ended up, I ended up seeing them and I never watched an episode of this show. I ended up seeing their musical wares where that, didn't really happen with a lot of American Idol seasons, mm -hmm. but but like the yep. soft the sophomore the sophomore season of a phenomenon is like your make or break, and they made um, and yep. the show would keep on going. I think uh, somewhere around twenty million people watched this finale. Uh, pretty f to the eighty million people who watched the Cheers finale, uh, but you know so it goes. But yep. uh, also you'll notice we may have left out. The Eurovision Song Contest, which by our date range didn't make last week's show. We had uh, 93 and 0 th yeah. 13, but yeah. Turkey wins its first ever, <laughs> its first ever win in the Euro. Was it, is it only recently eligible at this point? Do you have to be part yeah. of the EU? I mean, they, no, oh, no. Okay. I mean, they have, I think Australia might be in there sometimes. Mm. Israel's in there. Like, no, the, it has something to do with something, something TV licensing rights, something, something European, something. Okay. But yeah, e EU membership is not required. Okay. But no, Turkey's song, like, this is a solid song. I could hear this sounds like a like a Britney Spears knockoff. It's cool. Then you say her name. <laughs> Sertab Irenir. Sertab Irenir. I think they're a It's perfectly poppy with a little bit of, yeah, for lack of yeah. a better musical comparison, Bollywood is kind of moving on to games. Yeah. <laughs> 19th to the 25th of May. Rise of Nations on PC is out. Uh, Big shrug. Very solid uh, RTS. Uh, it's still played today. Uh, you bring your nation from the Stone Age to the Industrial Age. Similarly, similarly, uh, Planet Side debuts 20 years ago. And while this version isn't still being played, Planet Side 2, the follow up, is uh, still going. And it's kind of, what would you call it? Uh, the first person shooter meets a persistent MMO type world where, hey, this could, and these battles could take place live in a perpetual environment with potentially hundreds of people. And it was really impressive just to look at at the time because. Even 20 years ago, I didn't see how it was possible. I, I do not understand how 2003 got an MMOFPS. You know, that blows my mind. I don't get it. it. Yeah, it's still not really happening on any massive level now. Battle Royales, yes, but like there could be thousands of people in a planet side server and wow. on, on, a, on a planet uh, running into one another. It's, I never got into it, but I 
was <laughs> this if I haven't said it before, these are the days where I'm hanging out in a house with multiple PCs, lots of constant lands and uh while other people watch TV, good drinking nights. Uh, but, oh, one of my favorite game series of all time. Um, WarioWare Incorporated. Mega micro games for GBA. Just, I, I, I'm ashamed by how many times I finished this game. <laughs> have you played a WarioWare game, uh, Diana? I, I, I have, yes. I figured. They're infinitely enjoyable. And scratch whatever itch anybody has for interactivity of any kind and, and charming and yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And they're short and mm-hmm. they're easy. Like, well, I screwed that game up. Well, 20 seconds from now I'll play a different one. Right. And it's, it's more about your reaction to like, what am I supposed to do? You have a millisecond to figure it out. We're going to tell you yep. scratch, scratch a booger, <laughs> poke, right. poke this person, uh, run, run to the right. And you have five seconds or less to perform it. And there's like a hundred of these and they're, and if you're a big Nintendo fan, a lot of them, I didn't even know this at the time, are referencing Nintendo is a hundred year old plus company. Games remain the most recent thing they've done. And the game is filled with things like the Ultra Hand, a toy they made in the 60s and 70s, just like an extendable hand, like you'd see in a cartoon boxing glove. Uh, <laughs> the, there was that uh, share, light gun sheriff you would shoot in the heart and he'd fall over. That's an early Nintendo arcade game. Uh, a bunch of pre-Mario Nintendo references, which doesn't happen outside of this game series. Uh, So I think that makes it beautiful. And Wario is just very tangential to the series. The latest one was really fun uh, on Switch and kind of back. It always comes back with a gimmick that may or may may not work. The most recent one was fun. But uh, this I played... I think I just got a Game Boy Advance, the NES version of the uh, backlit SP that you could put your... Still, I, I don't know if I said that on this podcast. Every year I come closer, I want to buy one and mod it and put a ass load of games on it. It's the perfect little gaming device with real controls. Oh, I want it. I want it. WarioWare. I, I played the Wii WarioWare, and it is such a perfect party game. I mean, gosh, if you've got the right group of friends <laughs> over... Uh, you pass the controller around, or if it's a multiplayer, you do that one, and you just, you know, drink. And if you don't like a game, there'll be another one in seven seconds. Yeah. Yep. And and to, I, to make the package even better, if you beat this game, you unlock Doctor Wario, which is just a reskinned, full Doctor Mario game, and it's you can play it anytime with other with friends wirelessly. It's awesome, and uh, they gave it out. For the 3DS Ambassador program, if you paid 280 bucks for your 3DS in the first three months before they dropped it to 160, they gave you these Game Boy games that they never sold, so you couldn't buy them and play them on only if as a gift for apologizing for how much the 3DS cost at launch. Anyway, listen to Video Game Apocalypse. We recently did a whole thing about the 3DS's anniversary. Uh-oh, got a rare book, rare book to put on uh, the list 20 years ago. What do we got, Jr. Thousand Places to See Before You Die. Mm. This became a bit of a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. It was on every one of my mom and dad's friends' coffee table. (laughs) And you can see why. You're sitting there pre-internet. You can't take out your phone. You pop this place book open, and you're at a place. And it's an interesting place. And it gives you a quick little rundown of what to see and do there. And it makes you think, you know what? I should go to Kazakhstan and see their temple. That sounds awesome. 
and then you don't. Uh, but <laughs> this had a lot of spinoffs. It had puzzles. It has an app. It had a show on Discovery. So yeah, this was this was a mini phenomenon. Yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't aware of how much a phenomenon because I don't think they I think whoever had it didn't trademark the title, but I wasn't aware of it until my buddy wrote one. And oh. <laughs> and and like, why'd you call it that? He's like, you don't know about the before you die thing. I'm like, no, I guess I don't. And when it was described to me, just like Jr. said it, all I could think was bathroom reading, bathroom yep. reading. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, my buddy Chris Waters, uh, 50 video games to play before you die. Still on sale. Um, free with your Audible trial. Uh, and moving on to our, well, our outro, which is uh, How You Gonna Act Like That by Tyrese, because it's on the charts this week. we got one more segment in the barrel. We're going to shoot you 10 years in the future. Uh, take I wonder us- what Tyrese is doing 10 years from now. Best work of his career. Uh, <laughs> be right back. I bought you in my picture and I gave you everything. Said you'd always be my baby and then you bow. How you gonna up and leave me now? How you gonna act like that? How you gonna change it up? We just finished making up. How you gonna act like that? How you gonna act like Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. There was no internet in 1980, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to find people's reactions to Empire Strikes Back because... Yeah, it's the it's the twist, man. W- what was it? What was it when people walk out of theater? How were people talking about this? And it's... One, it's really weird. The only cool record we have of this is Starlog Magazine allowed people to write in. And you can find those on archive.org. And that remains the closest thing we have to a comment thread about Empire Strikes Back when it comes out. But what we did have was wonderful, wonderful news stories. They have audience reactions of people coming out of the theater. Although the critics are disappointed, consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. <laughs> Didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. Get fucked, lady. <laughs> Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of May 19th through 25th, yeah, we got movies. You want some movies? How about a movie about movies from a guy who writes about movies before he started making movies? That's right. Turning 50 this week from 1973 is Francois Truffaut's Day for Night, also known as La Huit Americaine, or American Night, which is 
uh, a movie about making a movie by Francois Truffaut, who is a film scholar who wrote about movies and then he made movies. And now he's making a movie about making movies. And you'd think that would be so fart sniffing and so up its own butt. And it is a little, but it's not like they're stopping to give like big speeches about the flickering images and how they imprint on our brains and our hearts forever. The power of the cinema, we come here to cry. No, it's about, uh, stars Jacqueline Bissett and uh, Valentino Cortez. And yeah, they, they're making a movie. Francois Truffaut plays himself, or at least he plays the director. And yeah, day for night. One one of the top Truffauts, and I'm not a huge Truffaut fan, I'll be honest. But yeah, day for night's definitely one that I like. And then also from 1973 comes an, another interesting story from an auteur, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, directed by Sam Peckinpah, which is a revisionist Western that kind of died on release. And then it kind of got reevaluated later when an extended cut was found, which that often, that, that happens. So you know, Peckinpah had to cut a bunch of stuff out of the movie, like 15, 20 minutes, it sounds like. And, and you know, the, the studio made him and it just didn't hit as well with audiences, but stars uh, James Coburn, Chris Christopherson, Jason Robards, and Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan in it up. And honestly, if you've ever heard of this movie, it's because of the Bob Dylan part, because he wrote a song called Knocking on Heaven's Door for this movie, which is one of the great songs, period. And once you realize, oh, that's from a Western, now it makes sense to take the badge off of me. I got it. Pat Garrett, Billy the Kid, make sure you watch the longer cut, which is I think just under two hours. It's been a really long time since I watched this one. I went through kind of a peck and paw like run for like a week and they all bleed together. And it was a huge mistake because he has a style. And so when you watch them all together, you like can't tell which movie you're watching. But Pat Garrett, Pat Garrett Billy the Kid from 1973. Yep, uh, I'll recommend that one if you're into oddball Westerns. And then finally, Turn in 40 this week is some, okay, it's kind of obscure indie movie called Return of the Jedi. I don't know if you've heard of it. Only fancy cineasts like myself have heard of Return of the Jedi. It might be Jedi. I don't know. It might be French because the director's Richard Marquand. So yeah, it's Return of the Jedi time. Go, go watch Return of the Jedi. See, see how you close a trilogy. God damn it. Because we're going to talk about closing a trilogy in a minute. That's it for this week. Stay classic. I made it down the coast in 17 hours Picking me a bouquet of dogwood flowers And I'm hoping for rally I can see my baby tonight So rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel Rock me, mama, any way you feel Hey Coming into 2013 with Wagon Wheel by Darius Rucker Off of True Believers Hootie, as he likes to be called uh, <laughs> welcome to 2013, 10 years ago. Final segment of 30 2010. Uh, Man, just, just like with Cheers saying, hey, who would be a movie star? If you pointed at a bunch of bands from the late 90s, early 20s, or 2000s, and said, which one of these guys is going to pivot into being a country star and do really good at it? Got it. Hootie's not the guy. All goes back to his bacon cheddar ranch Burger King commercial. This is very, very good. <laughs> Stellar, stellar breakout performance. That was a great commercial. It really was. I still get it stuck in my head sometimes, despite wanting to throw up thinking about the sandwich. Uh, Burger King, the worst fast food restaurant. New releases, music releases for 2013, 10 years ago, May 19th to the 25th. We have The Conversation by Texas, uh, Love, Lust, Faith, and Dreams by 30 Seconds to Mars, Excuse My French by French Montana, 
False Idols by and False Idols by Tricky. Can't hold us by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring uh, Ray Dalton is still number one. Uh, 2013 news to remind you uh, what was happening in our much better connected world of 2013, and this is a huge this part of it. This fucking story. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where is the movie? We got it. We got an Air Jordans movie. We got a BlackBerry movie. We got a Tetris movie. I want this movie. I I just watched the Air Jordan movie last night. It's like I hate how interesting this is. <laughs> I hate mm-hmm. how much I want to see more of this. Uh, Yahoo purchases Tumblr for $1.1 billion. <sighs> and, uh, uh, that when it resold in 2019, mm-hmm. do you know how much it sold, sold for? Was it a sold Muppet for? amount of money? Uh, $3 million. Whoa! <laughs> it's pretty much just the Tumblr name. I mean, I, I was reading some tech article, and it was just an aside, like, Yahoo's history of buying... Spending billions to buy potential new websites, killing them, and then selling them off to a massive loss. It is something they've done constantly instead of yeah. grow whatever the yeah. fuck Yahoo is. Oh, I we could use circa 2013 Tumblr now, honestly. Yeah. And it does technically still exist um, within like a two year period. I think they lost 50% of their users. And, but before that, it was sort of like, lefty 4chan yes and i i only learned this like semi-recently like what happened to the discourse and why did we all start talking about certain things and it was like this fucking dumpster fire on tumblr sent like you know non-binary uh lgbt like needing this new social network to go to so all these people Mm -hmm. who had been kind of like you know, hanging out in the corner of the internet, not bothering anybody, entered in the fucking outrage machine that is the Twitter discourse and rolled a bunch of new stuff into the mix. And like for good or bad, I think mostly for good, because like a bunch of stuff I wouldn't have known not being a Tumblr user, I now know. And Tumblr uh, is one of the best business lessons. It's hard to bring back a customer you've lost. It's mm -hmm. not just like as hard as it was to get them the first time. It's more like a hundred times harder to get a customer to come back Don't once I know they it. quit yep. you. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time. <laughs> yeah. Also, valuation and monetization should be related because yeah, Tumblr bit. had a ton of users, but not good at making money. But they kept mm. throwing money at it, which meant, well, it must be worth a billion dollars if Yahoo will throw a billion right. dollars at it. But they couldn't maximize advertising. There, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's not a lot of options for monetizing, you know, like Twitter. I, I think the Tumblr right now, the Tumblr CEO uh, just had some issues as he gets into here. These sports heads can't get enough of their team's mascots. If you spend any time at all scrolling under the furry hashtag, you'll be wowed at their craftsmanship, ingenuity, and. <laughs> Dedication. What am I looking at here, Carm? Is that uh, so? You're telling me I'm looking at this lion, I guess centaur, penetrating this lady koala from behind. That is not indicative of what the furry community is about. So, what? Okay, so you're telling me that if I go to Yif party. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. Not nice to each their own, but like, you know, you don't have to go look at porn you don't like. But but it's also something we saw semi-recently with the OnlyFans debacle, that like they 
the very last minute due to, I think, this cautionary tale backed off on because they wanted to be sold. But porn in America is somehow like kryptonite to business, which I still don't really understand other than... There's a lot of sketchy stuff going on in the porn biz. It's Chris. not it's not yeah. just that, but like when I'm when I'm looking at porn, let, let's put it this way, all business. Uh <laughs> I am not paying attention yeah. to your but, advertising. Yeah, but you're not <laughs> paying. You know? And you're and you're seeking out the porn. Yes. The, it's not surprise porn. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the problem with something like Tumblr is surprise porn. And so the, <laughs> like the first thing Yahoo does and some stuff that is of arguable legality or depicting things that are not actually legal involving not, people who can't consent not defending them. and so the oh, pretty God. much the first thing yahoo does is they ban porn and that tumblr falls apart immediately yeah. <laughs> which is, it's like not knowing what you're buying like yeah what like, what yeah. the fuck no. what the absolute yeah. f- why buy it and then you know literally neuter it of <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, why would it be valued at anything? And it was, and, but who knows? I'm sure. I, I, I don't think Tumblr started out to be representative of the porn community. But like, whatever, you can't really decide what the internet wants to do with you. You can't. It's hard to make something viral. Trust me, I've tried. Uh, it's usually an accident. <laughs> yeah, the, and, that, and that's that's the best the best kind of viral. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I haven't spent much time on Tumblr, but the the time I have spent just just breezing through goofy ass memes has been very charming and then i wander into something i have no idea what is happening <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily even porn related it's just sort of like there's a sapiosexual pride flag Hello. okay i i don't understand but you're acting like everyone should well like give me a minute i'll look let me go look it up i don't know what you're talking about yeah, what the fuck yeah. does Yahoo do other than being your grandma's homepage? I still don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, enjoyed your season of Community. And other tech news, and I, I thought this was interesting, 10 years later, uh, Microsoft announces the release of the Xbox One, a name everybody makes fun of. I love the... It was immediately shortened to X-Bone. I, we still refer <laughs> it to as that. I, I love it. I think it's... <laughs> it's uh, and I, I really liked my Xbox and Diana, you might not remember, but they did kind of, they, the foot forward they put out was like, this thing will become your new DVR and how you'll be able to hook up a live TV antenna. Since Xbox got rid of that on the recent Xbox, that's why I don't have live TV anymore. The Xbox uh-huh. made it, I'm, I'm in the minority because they got rid of that functionality. It's just, I could plug the HDMI in the back of my TV, but my media environment is the Xbox. It was always really good. It even had like pirate apps like fucking popcorn and Kubi. Was that one of them? They had apps for that on the Xbox. Uh, <laughs> they had HBO when Sony didn't. And uh, that's, it became my, I played more games maybe on the PS4, but the Xbox CEO, Phil Spencer, like a week or two ago said, we have no, we have no illusions that we're going to win the console war. Now we lost the most important console war which was with the xbox one and the ps4 because like diana jr you both have iphones mm-hmm. i come up to you right now and like uh hey i got a free android you want it uh you would have to think about it and then probably end up saying jr's making a face <laughs> will this carry over my purchases my gems my songs probably not like i no <laughs> mm-hmm. no and, and and 10 years ago once digital purchases and a, a, what would you call it? Currency, a, digital currency started taking off and 
being was more than just early adopters and tech savvy people. Yeah, ten years ago, Xbox by being a hundred dollars more because it required Connect for no reason, even though that was kind of cool. Because I would come home, hard day's work, get off a train in my bike, and be like, oh, throw down my bag, walk through my living room, Xbox, turn on, Boop, and I'd get a glass of water. You were living in the future. I was. I was. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, but. Yeah, the Xbox One is announced and is kind of... Microsoft was kind of leading the console war with the 360 versus the PS3 and fumbled it all with the Xbox One for reasons I didn't hate. So I'm, I, I, don't, I don't always understand. I'm, I wouldn't have been good at predicting that. I always like this explanation for the naming convention. Oh, give me. Now we have the Xbox 360S. For people that, that wanted an Xbox uh, 360S, then we have an Xbox 360E. Uh, this thing, I think, was more of a prank. I actually don't remember ever producing this. I, I don't think it was real. Anyway, now we have the Xbox One, our fifth console. Okay, I know what you're about to ask. Xbox One? Why would you name it that if it's your fifth console? And I have to let you know that my employer told me to make you leave the premises if you ask that question. Moving on. And this the, the goal was, like I said, <laughs> this would be your one device. This would be a Roku. This would be how you watch television. This would be how you... And for a while, do you remember they let you snap... Who remembers that term? You could watch, I think, you, Twitch and your cable in a pop-up window through your Xbox while you played games. And it's like, oh, yeah, I could sort of do that through my TV if I set it up in, in, intricately and if I had picture-in-picture, picture, but it was neat that that was in the Xbox. But they led so hard with this, everybody's like, this is supposed to be about games. And Sony led with games and basically won the generation before it started. And the online DRM had a little bit to do with that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Xbox One, an interesting fumble. After Like those models are because Microsoft seems to be releasing Xboxes like iPhones, whereas Sony is still treating this like this is a generation that's still important to gamers. You need exclusives. You need a reason to say this is what this gaming generation can do that the others can't. You can't be releasing. <laughs> Launch two models at the same time like Microsoft did Two years ago. Anyway, also in gaming news, Flappy Bird debuts. This is more important than gaming news <laughs> because it becomes a massive phenomenon and one that highlights how hard it is to copyright a simple game concept in this medium. This Yeah, it, this guy just makes a game. He's just screwing around. He makes a little game, is using assets for something else that he was working on. And it just kind of sits there quietly for a couple months and then it explodes. Mm -hmm. Everyone would not shut up about fucking Flappy Bird. And come February, he pulls it and he's like, I'm ashamed of myself. Yep. I made something yeah. too addictive. I've hurt humanity. Yeah. No, he was he was getting <laughs> tired of the internet criticism because people were going, you stole the Super Mario pipes you you stole that bird design this is based on some other game and there was a lot of criticism and he says one of the reasons he took it off is because he couldn't handle the online criticism here's the thing he was making fifty thousand dollars a day on flappy birds he pulled the plug on that I so if you are out there getting tired of internet criticism Take your $50,000 a day to your own goddamn private island and don't go on the internet. Exactly. Okay? 
You could give me yeah. half that amount and criticize me in the time slot that James Corden's Late Late Show used to be in every night, <laughs> and <laughs> I would be absolutely fine. I would take it forever, and then never look at the online response. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, not ever, he's apparently never heard the quote about crying all the way to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Like the original concept. The context of that is I'm pretty sure it's Liberace saying, you know, my critics really hurt my feelings. I cried all the way to the bank. Did he invent that phrase? I think so. Wow, that's cool. Good on you, Liberace. That's an I awesome phrase. It is. he might have. Don't quote me on that, but wow. I think he did. Oh, I looking, love looking up derivations on that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, moving on to the movies of 2013. Whoo, uh, big one here. Well, maybe not this one. No, this did very well, but I did not yeah, see this it. Did okay. Um, look at this cast: Aziz Ansari, Pitbull, Chris O'Dowd. Do you remember them all standing next to one another? Beyonce Knowles, <laughs> Christopher Waltz. You remember them all at the rap party? Jason Sudeikis, Amanda Seyfried, Josh Hutcherson, and Colin Farrell in Epic. A what is it? I wrote down the, the actual book. It's based on is the Leaf, the, the leaf Frog Man. <laughs> the yeah, the Leaf Man and the Brave Good Bugs. <laughs> Just epic, yeah, which, by the way, if you search, oh, I know I can't just put epic in here. I'm going to put epic movie. Not that one. Ah. Uh, <laughs> ah. Definitely not that one. But yeah, I did. I used to make it a point to see every animated movie that existed. And this is the in, beginning of the era where that was not really possible. And I didn't do it this week yeah. either. Yeah. No, it's, it's from Blue Sky Studios, R.I.P. Didn't they get eaten by Disney? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, directed by a guy who did Ice Age, the first one, Robots. And I, I admit I also didn't get to it because it sounds very fantasy heavy, mm -hmm. but also, you know, hidden world, shrinky downy stuff, which, I mean, I know you like that, Chris. You, shrinky you love downy. Shrinky downy. Yeah, shrinky yeah it's downy. a shrinky downy film, Chris. The chief protagonist gets shrinky downed. I always and... call it Pixar's The Secret World of X. Yeah. monsters brain yeah. stuff toys bugs right yeah this, but, this one's you know bugs and and little leaf warriors and they're fighting stuff so yeah. i did see it i oh. would recommend it okay yeah. it's not the best uh animated film of all time but there's not that many high fantasy animated movies and i think this qualifies mm. yes our world exists our world is an existent things the chief protagonist is a teenage girl whose mother's died she's going to live with her crazy uh father who believes in these little people and uh then she gets shrinking down shrinky dinkied i'm sorry i didn't <laughs> use the right nomenclature down. Uh, she gets shrinky downy shrinky downy yeah and She's in Lord of the Rings, y'all. There is an epic fight between good and evil. Uh, you ever seen like a rotten tree in the forest? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Playing Zelda. That is caused by magical creatures, and they're fighting against the green creatures who are trying to keep the forest alive. And it's this battle between rotting and life, and it's a war going on. There's all sorts of classes. There's all sorts of organizations. Uh, the film takes you through all that rather well. There's a couple of really good moments in it that just work. Um, a creature hands a human a scroll and says, uh, they can't read it. I can't read your language. And the uh, magical creature says, it's dusty. And the human blows the dust off of the scroll. And in the dusk, 
you see the story from the scroll. Mm. That's oh, it's nice. a nice visual. It's like seeing a yeah. text message pop up above the phone in the show. In the, in the <laughs> Sherlock show. I love it. Yeah, so I, I would give this a recommend, especially for kids. Cool. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it, the, it definitely looked high fantasy, and I wasn't sure if mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the reviews were like, it's were pretty good. I think Pixar was working on, you know, adapting the book first and then ended up passing, and then Sony got their paws on it, and then Pixar kind of wanted it back, and they're like, no. Pixar adapting like, anything. Like, what the so, hell? Yeah. I do have a thought, you know, when stories have certain tropes that repeat again and again and again, I really feel like that is a monomyth. It's some lesson that is being trying to imparted into uh, the audience. And this movie has the crazy person turns out to be right, and you should listen to the crazy person. How many times is the crazy person right? Because Alex Jones was right once, too. (laughs) Yeah, because I've known some crazy people in my life, and at no point do I think my life would have been better if I would have believed them more. Don't drink tap water. It's got gay fluoride in it. (laughs) So why does that trope exist, and why is it so widespread? I think you... Someone's got to give you the exposition early in the movie before you as the audience are introduced to the insane concept and it can't be well known by the rest of the world. So it's got to be through a crazy person who will give you all the keys to uh, win the, never mind. But yeah, if you're writing it, that's probably why. Hmm. I feel like, I mean, if you want to talk about like the hero's journey type thing, there's generally the mentor figure, you know, a Merlin kind of guy. And Everyone has to not listen to him so that the one person can listen to him because otherwise he'd have a crowd of people listening yes. to him and they'd all get to go on the journey. You're a Christ-like figure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whew. Uh, Everybody's the chosen one. Man. Good job. Now, JR, I remember a while ago, I'm not calling you out because I think you're like largely right on this. You were talking about follow-ups to big, com- big comedies and how mm-hmm. they rarely work, even though you're a big fan of 22 Jump Street, which I do agree is, is amazing, but how mm-hmm. comedies are hard to franchise. But we've already recommended Hot Shots Part Due, which, mm-hmm. you know, could have been called anything and still been funny. Didn't need to be involved yeah. in the Hot Shots universe. Uh, now we move on to, I think, one of the weirder <laughs> comedy franchises that when you look at it was a short four years of being white hot, and then we'll probably never see it again, Justin Bartha, Melissa McCarthy, Heather Graham, John Goodman, Ken Jeong, Ed Helms, Zach Gackelflan, uh, and Bradley Cooper in The Hangover Part 3. This is the worst place on earth. I know, right? So many good memories. Oh, my life is great! Is that Chow? <laughs> oh my God, you guys! You ready to do this? Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? Ah! Holy <laughs> Oh, God. Hector, grab a pair of sweatpants for Alan here. I'm a 44 Slim. You bring me a few options. Read it on. Laughing at the trailer. It was so hard to find a fucking ad that had any talking whatsoever. Because this is an action-heavy movie. It's it's a thriller. This is a comedic thriller. We have erotic thrillers. And now we have comedic thrillers because that's yeah. what this is. There's shootouts. There's multiple car chases. There's death. Yeah, uh, major death. It's a thriller. Yep. And I, yeah. I, I, 
I can't say I love this movie, but I watched it for the second time. And, you know, The Hangover 2 left a bad taste in everyone's mouth because it was <laughs> Home Alone 2. It was the same story, reskinned in a different environment. <laughs> uh, even though I love Home Alone 2. Probably for the president's cameo. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't love this movie, but I love the concept of it. Because the only rated R action comedies we get, cop stuff. And I don't yeah. think we're going to see a lot of that moving forward. But it's something that should exist, should it not? Action I, R-rated action I, comedy? Yeah. I think we will get cop shows going forward. I really do. You do? I, I, that, because it's such a natural, dramatic position to have. You know, Because they're automatically somewhere... on the moral side of the world. But I don't know exactly. that the world sees yeah. it like that anymore. Yeah, but again, just I, like you said with 22 Jump Street, those are caps and it's an action comedy. True. Fine. Yeah. It's so bizarre to me that I looked and saw this has like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it seems like just about every critic, their complaint was it's not funny enough. But then when I watched it, the reason it's not funny enough is there are just fewer jokes. There is more action. And there's major dramatic so, stakes. You were actually action, worried about these guys. <laughs> and the action is good. So it's mm -hmm. like, is it just your people are mad? Like, I thought I was going to get a wacky comedy again. And instead I got an action comedy. I think critics. I, I, I came yeah. here with. There's a certain amount I need to laugh, and I didn't laugh enough. I think critics were. But comparing it to the second one, which is trash, it's. I, I was going to say, I was dreading watching this because I'd yeah. only ever <laughs> seen one and two. I loved one, hated two, and I was like, "Oh God, they made a third one. This is going to be the worst." So mm -hmm. I went with low, low expectations, people, okay? So that colors things. When you go in with low expectations mm -hmm. and you're pleasantly surprised, it gets a recommend from me. Mm -hmm. The jokes yeah. are fewer. They land. I got caught up in the action. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I am very tired of action movies at this point, people. Uh, 30, <laughs> 20, 10, I've watched more action films probably in the last year and a half than I have in my entire life. <laughs> and it, they just repeat so much. This combination, I like. I want more All right. uh, comedic thrillers. I do. We're on the same. We're on the same. Like if you made a Lethal Weapon Forty Eight Hours movie now, it should look more like this than hmm. a couple of those sequels. And I just don't see those movies being made that much anymore. And yeah, yeah. love the idea of a, a comedy. Even if it's not a full comedy, a R-rated, action-heavy comedy, why don't we have that? Holy shit. Like, Men in Black sort of fizzled out, and that was always for kids, but I can't think of any equivalent to The Hangover. But I, I, and I, when I was reading the critics' reviews, like, you know, I was a critic, too, and I, so I'm, I'm saying this from the perspective of a critic. I think you're just mad that Hangover 3 exists, that you have to talk about this as part of your job. Because, <laughs> you know, it was a comedy movie, and that, sh that should have been that. And then two is really made me mad. But like, you know, now that we're away from all this, this is a fun little trilogy. And there are decent moments even to be mined out of the second one. This I thought was like... Yeah, was... I, I would recommend watch one, 100%. Mm -hmm. Watch it. Yep. It's great. Watch some YouTube clip, the best five minutes of two. That's really all you need. And then watch three or even just skip I, that. Just one and I three. Would skip I would just skip it. But There's then you'll a miss a monkey jerking jokes. off Ken Jong. The balls no. on Ken Jong for showing those balls repeatedly. <laughs> Man. Those are probably fake balls. 
but no, don't <laughs> ruin it for me, Diana. How would I'm you sorry. hide something that small <laughs> on I top of something know. else? But and I I go between loving and hating it because of my weirdness with Community in season four. But Ken Jong being bolstered to like he runs between a frenemy and the major villain. He's the Loki of the Hangover universe in this film. <laughs> I kind of love it. Uh, just for giving, just for being a kinetic character who gives these guys something to do, and you do sort of groan when they fall back on like, oh, they're going to Vegas again. That's kind of later in the movie, or they got to find a reason to be drugged and knocked out. And like, no, no, you were fine with the fixing yeah. Alan thing. That didn't need to happen. Uh, yeah. There's plenty of good things to like about this, and it made me want more like it. And mm. again, I don't know if that makes the movie great, but like, yeah, I had a much better time than I expected, and I've I've always. I don't need to defend this movie, but I always sort of have just because like it's interesting to take to take these characters and bring them to a different area and then to put them in a, new, a different genre. That's fun. That, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, that's that's what, you know, I was I was concerned because, yeah, I also hadn't seen this before this week. And I I have a very specific nitpick with this trilogy mm-hmm. that it's a trilogy at all is a nitpick, but the fact they start the first movie is in Vegas and then the next movie is in Thailand. And the thing, the step that is missing in between those is places where white guys go to misbehave. <laughs> the next step is Mexico. Oh. It is not Thailand. Oh. It, is, it is Mexico. And then it is a European capital, Prague, Amsterdam, Ljubljana, whatever. And, then it's Thailand. Come on, people. And then when I saw, oh, this movie, they go to Mexico. It's like, oh, no, it's just going to be the same, but in Tijuana. And thank God it was not. Yes, it doesn't. Re- thank it, God. It takes those notes to heart, despite having the same amount of production time as the second movie, like to take these people, to just remove the formula altogether, which if you're seeing it for the first time, makes it exciting because it two is exactly the same it's so it's crazy exactly the same it really is here we go again yes and for the fifth was... one you start out we're not going to do anything like we did the net the last time and they end up in branson and somehow make a giant mess of yeah it. well that, that was my other thought was like i would if if we're going to start messing with the genre then i would love to see a hangover type movie taking place in like the least corrupt naughty Ew. place in the world like a small village in switzerland and a bunch Ooh. of guys get stuck there and go crazy. May I propose uh, Gatorland in California? A rural town <laughs> in Utah. There you go. Ex- yes, in a dry county. Yes, oh, there you a go. dry yes. county. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it's all about how how did they manage to do so much damage when it's so hard to get booze? But for, for the <laughs> first time in over 10 years, I walked out of this movie and like, I would not mind seeing more of the Wolfpack at all, especially if you're going to add Melissa McCarthy in there. Yeah. And, and yeah. which that was fun. is something I think the movie should have been better with. Like crazy fucking cameos, people playing a, like John Goodman playing like an actual ruthless asshole. Like it's not, <laughs> he's, he's perfect. It's not, yeah, he's not, he's in a comedy and he's not playing funny at all. He is just a scary guy, which mm-hmm. if you can imagine being yelled at by someone like John Goodman, when he would get mad as Dan Connor. Like it happened like ten times throughout the whole series. It's fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, this guy's eight times bigger and wider than me. He could eat me. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna take a tree branch and beat the shit out. He has the he voice of an ant. He, he, he doesn't have to alter his voice at all to put put him as an ant character. Yeah, I walked out of this wanting to see more adventures with these guys, which I did not expect at all. And I don't hmm. think there's plenty of things to nitpick about it, but like. 
yeah, now that this is kind of a underrepresented genre, maybe. Yep. If there's anything else coming to theaters, let me know in the comments, um, and I'll accept my fifty thousand dollars for yeah enduring your criticism. I, I I almost hate to bring this up because I don't want people to be looking for it if they haven't watched this movie. That there is a really good switcheroo that I did not see coming. And usually I see him coming from a mile away. But I think because I didn't realize and most of the way through, oh, right, this is just a thriller. Yeah. Same. If we're talking yeah. about the same thing, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. I was trying to, I had it in my notes, like if you break down the concepts and remove the characters you know, would this be an interesting crime movie? And the answer is kind of maybe. Because. Yeah, kind of. You kind of got to know the people in order for this to have any stakes. and Yeah, but you could get to know them fast. You true. just it, add in true. an extra 15 minutes of character building instead of jumping I, right I in. I think there's a possibility you could take this movie and just, would, would it be a giant hit? I don't know about that either. But like this movie made its money. It made a pretty decent amount. It, it Idiots trying to do a high-class <laughs> robbery. It's always going to be funny. Oh. Yeah. Idiots trying to do crime. Always funny. Period. Uh. Oh, but so, yeah. Yeah, um, Hangover Part 3. Like, big surprise recommend. Surprise recommend. Yeah, um, like it. Moving on to a not surprise recommend. But I, okay, <laughs> so let me, before we even get to this, I cannot believe that the studios were crazy enough to put these movies out against each other because yeah. these are two bro movies for dudes who are guys who love bros <laughs> because they bro down with their dudes. Why are you putting such testosterone up against each Maybe other? Maybe that was part of it. We got to take from the other guy's bucket before they take from ours. And, uh, yeah, I'll just say it in terms of major recommends for me. Gal Gadot, uh, Sung Kang, uh, Ludacris, Tyrese Gibson, Gina Carano, Luke Evans, Jordana Brewster, Michelle Rodriguez, Paul Walker, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Vin Diesel. It's number to the box office. Oh, Fast and the Furious 6. I thought Brazil was our last job. Hobbs here asked for our help. Full pardons all the way around. Take it or leave it. We gotta roll. We're not dealing with cops or drug dealers. Uh, guys, they got a tank. We've graduated to a whole new level. Oh. All right. Is Chris, I got I wanna before we even get started, just top of your head, just straight from the gut. Which is the better series interqual? Star <laughs> Star Trek two three four or five, fast six, five six seven. I um was I had it written down of uh, it's, it's so a tough call. It is a tough call. Fast five six seven. Five six seven <laughs> so much fun, but there's so duh. It's again it's rare on thirty twenty ten. I'm watching this, it's late at night. I rolled right into seven. No phone, yeah. no Zelda. I I love watching this again alone, loud in my own house, clapping my little baby seal hands together at every moment. <laughs> this, this is, but this is the movie. Well, I don't think this breaks the billion dollar barrier. This is what, like, the fifth movie is when they decide, like, all right, these are mainstream action movies. We're going to write these a little different. This is like, okay, this is a genuine phenomenon. And the next couple movies gross a billion fucking dollars. It becomes bigger than this series that started out as the point break for street racers ever had any right to be. It's the last movie to use the words Fast and Furious in its official titles. I love that about it. They're never the same titles. If you have some really fucking 
super OCD guy stalking the video counter. They're never going to yeah. be next to one another. Okay. <laughs> You're going to find this somewhere between Fast Five, Furious Seven, and F F F Nine, or Fate of the Furious. <laughs> ah. uh, but this is when I think this is the one that reaches like unexpected greatness is in the fifth. Like this is very well made, a very yeah. well made action movie, and this is uh, James Wan's first outing. No, this is Justin Lin still. Oh, it's still Justin Lin. Yeah. This is phenomenal. This is such yeah. a good I, action movie. I, I think this is the one that Samantha was like, okay, five was a huge surprise that yeah. that was like a, a lot of fun. You can't That's do this again. Good. I'm not going to want to see this five more times. And the second this came out, I'm like, all right, I'm here day one, yeah. every movie that I'm comes like, out. Okay, but like that's a fluke, I guess. Like that, just you know, whatever the magic sauce was, they they're not going to keep making movies like that. And no, that's exactly they realized. No, these should not be about fucking street racing and car thieves. These should be like you, you know what gang, they should be about a what? gang of James Bonds. We about? have a clip Ooh, of what, what they should they, be about. What should they be about? Shape. We're family. Now, I know you guys are a family, so I'm offering you a chance right now to make that family whole again. You want to make this family whole again? <laughs> you don't think about family. Your code is about family. That's the only way you're going to keep your family safe. Brother never told you never threaten a man's family. This is your family. This is my family. <laughs> this is Thank just from this movie. Angel, the newest addition to our family. <laughs> <laughs> just this film. Family. Family. Oh my God. Keep, keep talking. I'll be right back. Is about family, and it's just it it reaches this like confidence of I don't give a shit bat shittery that I don't think any franchise could ever do out of the gate. Not- no, no, they have moved so far beyond their original concept, mm-hmm. and five was getting them there. This is full on abandoning it, full on just like we are our own thing. This is the movie that sets up them going to space. Okay. This this is the movie that sets (laughs) them up for the future Fast and Furious movies, which I'm going to pitch this again because I know the producers are listening. Fast and Furious, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Yes! Yes! Buy the name, the title name for like $10 and just have fucking dinosaurs and run away from the dinosaurs in Cadillacs. It's a gold mine. They keep people. teasing it's the last movie, and if nine was the only one that was like sort of a letdown, like uh, where you hit, saw a like a little sliver of autopilot, and and it wasn't even that mm. much. It's just like maybe I'm getting tired of this. If this that rebuilds with the tenth one, I don't want to see this end at eleven. What movie ends at eleven? Movie series ends at eleven. It's ridiculous. Okay, Jason, mm. but like, that, but yes, this is when like also because it's, it's hard to figure out the interquel trilogy. Because this is the last one of the four through six prequel movies where Justin Lin's right. decide because Han is killed in part three, four, five, and six are prequels. And the end credits introduce Jason Statham as the person who murdered Han in the sixth movie. So the seventh movie <laughs> is the one that takes place in the present. The first one since three. <laughs> It's uh, it seems utterly absurd, but these characters eventually develop superpowers and can stomp buildings down and pull off car doors with their bare hands. It doesn't. I love yeah. the not giving a shit. Yeah, well, I, I love the yeah the the soap opera in this is it, it really. I mean, it, it picks up right here because we have 
have Michelle Rodriguez not really dead. She had amnesia all along. Like, it's a comic book series. Yes. Oh, this it is. This is like a Marvel comic it's, book series where no one's ever going to die. Yep. The bad guys can always join you as friends. Everyone's going to Every, come back. Everybody does heel face turns. I always, yeah, always say that. Sometimes this is a better comic book franchise than anything Marvel does. Because and, and, there's definitely practical effects sequences that not only rival things in Marvel movies, surpass them a hundred times. That tank on the freeway sequence, while not like as emotionally gripping as the bank being dragged through Brazil, is fucking astounding. And you can make all the jokes you want. A plane takes off on a runway for, tw I timed it, 20 fucking minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> a long who, runway. And who gives it's a shit? It's just driving there. It's not even going to fly. It's just driving. To <laughs> the plane is driving. It's okay. phenomenal. So people, mad geniuses have calculated this. The runway has to be at least 18.37 miles long. <laughs> it It is. Um, but it's such a good sequence. And I do love, this is where Gal Gadot dies. And she's the no. person I'm like, other than Paul Walker, who would be impossible to get back into the franchise? Which, by the way, my prediction is Paul Walker is coming back. He is not canonically dead in the series, unlike certain people who are definitely coming back as well. But mm. I think um. I, I think that's how the series should go out with fake with a fucking CG Paul, Paul Walker with a Rogue One no. Grand Moff talking. I do, I do. I don't. I think no, if, if we could talk to him in the dead, he was like, I don't want to not be in these movies. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> I don't want Brian. Not I mean, here. he could have like his his brother, and you shoot him from behind, like they did to finish this, the the next one. You know, they also CG like, his and, face, and they, there he is over there. Wave to him. Not oh, he's good. Okay. <laughs> Thank God we got a lot of coverage of, of Paul Walker saying, so how are we going to do this? Away from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but this also is the movie where like uh, sort of the team aspect is played up a little more because before like, you know, Vin and uh, Vin and Paul got like all the, Dom and Brian got all the big sequences where now it's established like, hey, everyone else has these superpowers. And even at some point, Roman as the comedic, like, that's more an eight, but like, no, this dude is capable with a gun, can murder a submarine with his bare hands. Yeah, this is when it becomes that type of movie. And seven is such a good follow up. God damn. Uh, I, I I've always wanted to teach a one time master class on how to appreciate the Fast and the Furious movies because I hear them shat upon <laughs> by most cinephiles, even people I know, and it's just like I feel bad for you. Like, Look, laser so time good. it, Chris. Yeah. Let's just do an so off the cuff episode on laser time how to enjoy the Fast and Furious because this is my second Fast and Furious film I've ever seen. After Ooh. which one? Uh, five. So you I did see five. Oh. And then I watched this one. And fun, right? Like fucking great. Yeah. Fucking yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, it's a fun series. I I don't understand the shitting at this point. I mean, I the movies are what they are. So I don't understand the hatred. Yeah. And like yeah. what you exactly. think. I was going to say, I am a fancy cinephile. Yeah. And I appreciate when something is trying to do something and does it really fucking well. Yeah. And the only thing I can, the only kind of movies I can compare this to anymore are the Mission Impossibles, yeah. where it's pretty much just like, let's come up with some fucking rad set pieces yeah. and then we'll build a movie around it. And is the movie like, if you pull it apart, is the plot stupid? Yeah. I mean, generally, it's pretty simple. <laughs> it's an excuse for doing big, crazy shit. Everything. But they still have 
is in service of stunts. 80,000 characters they have to figure out something for them to do, and they manage to do it, generally. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. like the whole movie's... I always say that it, the whole movie's in service of putting something spectacular on screen that you have ne- you never thought you'd see before, and these movies always deliver on that, and I give them, again, more points than even Mission Impossible. This is an original movie franchise. This is what... This is like... If all big popcorn movies were this, I think we'd live in a better world. Like stupid, but delivers on thrills and spills. Like yeah. it's just amazing. And the fact that it comes back after four, which is such a bad movie. Right. It is such a bad, it's just a bad remake of the first one, which is just point break. It is real bad. And they're like, yeah, we'll keep going, but let's go fucking crazy. And, and, and deals. And they, they kill it. This, I'm watching like Guardians of the Galaxy three, like Star Lord dealing with a Gamora who doesn't remember being in love with him. I'm like, it's like Letty, it's like <laughs> it's like Letty in Fast Six. <laughs> they beat you to it again, Marvel. The Fast series are too fast, too fast. Oh, oh cannot you, that wait. happened on General Hospital like every week. Come I, on. It's true, it's true. It's but a it's soap opera. But it's like it's not really a factor in the next film. They're just in love again. Uh, but mm. it, it's something, it's something you see comics do in not a lot of, for lack of a better word, cinema, but like it's popcorn yeah. cinema and I dig it. <laughs> He's like, here's your cross back. This will remind you who you were. And it's just a plain ass cross. And she's like, gosh, now I remember. <laughs> she hasn't seen a single cross. And it Have looks... you been to anyone's house in these movies? <laughs> and it looks heavy as shit. She shouldn't wear that. Like, uh, not while high school. This, this comes with like the highest recommendation of the entire show, Fast Six. And I know maybe I'm not to be trusted given how much praise I heaped on Hot Shots and Bruce Almighty. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I loved rewatching this. And I hadn't done it in a while, especially not by myself. This is something I've, I've sh- uh, sherpa into other, like Fast, people like those movies. I'm like, I'm coming over. I'm coming over. I have a little trailer sting that I made of the first four movies. We'll start you with five, and you will love this too. And I've won several times when I've done this. I'm working on my dad. But uh, Fast Six, the shit, absolutely great. And you can, because it's like, this wasn't on Peacock, but Seven was, uh, they can be watched back to back. It's joyous that you have so many more of these to enjoy if we convince you to jump in. Ugh including new ones coming to theaters. Anyway, moving on to television, because God damn, I'm starving. This is one of our longest shows of all time. Um, <laughs> uh, 2013 television, May 19th to the 25th. The Cleveland Show ends on Fox. One of the weirdest spinoffs ever, because I don't know, you don't get lucky enough in a lot of uh, in a lot of spinoffs where you're just, okay, this show didn't work after like five seasons. You just get to go back on the regular show <laughs> for 10 more years. Uh, which Cleveland did, but the Cleveland show ends and they and, uh, family guy mentions this when he comes back. I love, they make references the entire time he's gone and they make references the entire time he comes back with the cast of the Cleveland show who was not in family guy. All right, Cleveland. Oh. Wait, don't you have a show to do? Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right. I knew this was coming. Everybody give me your best shot. Where do I even begin? You know, it's not a good sign that this is the first time a lot of people are realizing you had a show. Your logo was stupid. It looked like a big purple penis and your ratings blew. We did about the same as Bob's Burgers. That's your bar? Oh, shame on you. <laughs> talking there. <laughs> uh, I remember I had to look up in like the dorky anime. Like Family Guy takes a ton of shots at Bob's Burgers and they do so consulting everyone on Bob's Burgers because they're all friends. And 
they're, I think they've appeared on each other's show several times. Uh, Rules of Engagement ends on CBS. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry, real quick. Cleveland show. Most popular black animated show of all time. Uh, oh, it's hard to say Fat Albert. Days, Proud Family, Frat, Fat Albert. Proud Family, I don't, which I don't know anything about. Yeah. But. Fat Albert was a kid's cartoon. This was yeah. a network yeah. television show. I'm not sure how many yeah, more they are. The, the PJs is still running somewhere, but it only went like two or three seasons. Mm. Uh, yeah, weird. Because uh, I never even thought of it like a black show, even though it has re- severely black moments at some points. But I, I never hated the show. Uh, again, I'm not a Seth MacFarlane hater. Sometimes you mm. just want, just deliver me jokes as fast as you can. And yep. uh, Rules of Engagement ends on CBS after being on the air okay. for... Since 2007, all of which a wizard made invisible to me. I yep. Well, <laughs> because, well, actually, I mean, I feel like it's, it could get your attention. It's produced by Adam Sandler's Happy Madison Productions. Of course it is. Uh, I mean, it's basically like a couple sitcom, and it stars Patrick Warburton, who we just heard. Later. Uh, I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of this show. <laughs> I'm not exactly. kidding. I know. I'm not kidding. I know. It's an interesting premise, though. You've got a newly engaged couple, a long married couple, and they're still single friend. Yeah, that's possibilities. That's a good idea. That's- I want to watch a sitcom like this. But I don't want it to have been a sitcom first started in 2007. You should have watched that sitcom a few weeks ago when it was canceled and called Happy Endings. And <laughs> mm. Yep. No, I think I, it, it, there's something about the channel loyalty. This is a CBS show. And like yeah. you said, you don't think about sitcoms on CBS. It's just the way your brain works. Yeah, they're not like, for us. It's just not like you haven't been indoctrinated properly. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get must-see CBS mm. and uh, uh, what was the other one in the 1980s there was a big one for NBC what the mm. block uh, what, watch us we're cheaper than cable I don't know yeah. I can't remember um, it's new to you that was my favorite campaign they would market their reruns it, if you haven't seen it it's new to you <laughs> the, guy would say, the guy would say that Boy. every time but it's like telling you like flip around flip around if you were planning on watching Seinfeld this week yeah, no, like that actually kind of works for me because like sometimes there's something that's like, well, I want to watch Seinfeld, but on another channel mm. at the same time is this, which I'm never going to bother watching because I like Seinfeld so much. But in the summertime, <laughs> I've seen that Seinfeld. <laughs> you haven't seen it. Go check years. out Rules of Engagement. <laughs> um, Home to NBC. That was it. That was their slogan. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the Goodwin Games debuts on Fox. I don't know what this is. This is... Such a creepy premise. Okay. It's so creepy, but I love with, with succession just ending. It seems like we should bring this back. <laughs> okay. A father dies. He's only going to give money to his children if they do games for him. Wow. After he's dead. He's set up a series of games that are designed to force them to confront personal failings recall their childhood bring them together as a family and he's brought in a ringer he's brought in a total stranger to do these games so if they don't do them the total stranger is going to get the money sounds like a a lower stakes version of what's happening on secession right now exactly that's what i'm saying i i i love this idea and it's got uh, scott foley and tj miller and yeah um went seven episodes it died but i (laughs) There's something about this, like, yeah, I like the Squid Games, but for your family. (laughs) 
only one will survive. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. say also it, everyone watch ready or not. If you haven't watched that yet, that movie is fucking. Oh great. yes, I did. That was hilarious. Um, I'll say this tidbit for the end because it's a great book end considering what we talked about. Uh, but Save Me debuts on NBC. Oh no. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anne Hesh is Beth Harper, a woman who chokes to death on a sandwich almost and then becomes a direct pipeline to God. Mm. What? <laughs> a lot of pipelines to God going around this week. That is also interesting in the... as. New TV programming becomes more challenging. How many networks lean towards like, okay, we got to try something drastic here where you can't even believe this is a TV show. God <laughs> cop. God cop. He's a cop, <laughs> but he's God. <laughs> but sometimes he's also the villain. He's got split personalities. God cop. Also saved me on NBC. Yeah. Yeah. I made it uh, six, seven episodes and then died. RIP, and Hey, she got left out of the Oscar montage. And really? Oh, she did. Yeah. I, I feel like people worried that's like, well, she went out where she could have killed a lot of people on her mm. way out. Yeah. I saw a footage she, of that car speeding like Jesus. Yeah. her uh, She might have been having an accident in terms of medical emergency at the time. Um, but And it's lucky she didn't kill anybody. Uh, you were talking. It's a sad story. You were talking about uh, people of color in animation, JR. Sanjay and Craig debuts on Nickelodeon. I think this might have been the, our first brown animated character from an American uh, company. Hmm. Um, hmm. uh, I forget. Yeah. It's the adventures of a kid and his talking pet snake. Snake, yeah, yeah. I saw a couple episodes. Not bad. Uh, and uh, and then the season finale of Bates Motel Midnight. He, yeah, you know, I I started off praising Bates Motel, and the first couple episodes were really uh white hot. They were great. Oh, you're telling me a, a eighty hour prequel to Psycho just. Some, at some point, Peter's out. <laughs> well, well, I didn't expect it to be the first season, but it got to be a little hokey. There was just too many, like, oh, come on. Yeah. Now you're adding too much. Yes. One of these things would have been fine, but when you do all four of them, it's too much for your first season. Or do they have and... the Dexter problem, which is a lot of other characters who aren't named Dexter? And <laughs> I don't care about any of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I had decent characters, honestly. I, I like the non-Norman Bates, but uh, Norma and Norman are obviously the heart of the show, and they got a creepy relationship. Surprise, surprise. Good. No, I, I thought I, that this show was all about how he has a healthy look on life. And, <laughs> and then we'll move into some TV news. Uh not my favorite this week, but this is hilarious. And what maniac calculated this, knowing full well we're not going to check his work? Uh, Vanna White sets a record for clapping. Clapping! <laughs> clapping uh, the largest number, the, the most clapping, the largest numbers of time of anyone on television. 3.7 million total claps as of this episode, averaging 606 claps per show on average in over six. 1,151 episodes. That That's one of those things that it's like you you never think about that. Yeah. And then you realize, well, oh not. my God, of course. No, give give her the Guinness Book of World Record. Give her, give her the plaque. Holy shit. Yes. I can't think of anyone else who has been on TV longer who does more clapping. Uh, I'd be like calculating like uh, George Clooney wins for most blinking in a major motion picture. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. I can believe it. All right. Yeah. If that's what it takes Ooh. to get him to the Guinness at headquarters, so be it. Uh, I mean, she's a person who's been on TV for like,
if you calculate the hours that she's been on TV, mm-hmm. that's already mm-hmm. like coming close to a record because she's been doing that job for like 40 years. Yeah. And how many older fucking boomer men have made uncomfortable remarks about him with their wives in the room? That's what record she should have. Yeah. <laughs> and we have oh, a clip from the, the uh, award ceremony. <laughs> yep. Hi, I'm Vanna White, and I hold the record for most frequent clappers. I'm here to congratulate Vanna, who holds the Guinness World Records title for the most frequent clapper. Her record currently stands at nearly 3.5 million claps over the last 30 seasons. I did not think I would hold the record for anything. You're, you're lucky they weren't calculating uh, Orson Welles' gifts and comment responses, because I'm sure he's, he's probably up there. Uh, you know, Savannah it's, Weissman is like, yeah, why is she famous? Or one very specific thing. But then she appeared on an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race that was so great, where people had to like spokesmodel and they didn't know she was coming. They'd have to come out on the runway and they'd see her sitting there and every one of them. <gasps> <laughs> because you know if you're you're a little gay kid in alabama she's probably the most glamorous woman you've ever seen for years and she's on every yeah bring something new that's accurate yeah most glamorous person the average person watched daily 100 percent. i can't think of who would be more glamorous yeah. on a daily basis i know my yeah. grandparents were there every day probably some soap mm-hmm. operas but that's mostly yeah, in the I, lens i just I'd ha- I, Jeopardy's at seven, and I turn it off at seven thirty for yeah, wheels. She's in such stark lighting where you can't hide a lot of shit. She's been pretty all this time. Uh, she good looks for anyway. amazing. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> if she's got, got work great. done, it was really good work. And this yeah. is, I love this. Uh, I didn't have this in here, but I but I saw it, and I'm. Why did Chris talk so much about VHS and then Movie Beam? Because I saw that like there was like. <laughs> Movie Beam feels like eight hours ago. Yeah. Fuck, I'm mad about it still. <laughs> but this week, an analysis reveals the first ever net loss of cable TV subscribers over a 12-month period. And wow. the analysis yep. is uh, billed as the first tangible proof of the phenomenon we now know as cord cutting. Every single year, cable grew. Mm-hmm. From the moment it was inter- invented, every year it grew bigger until 2013. Yeah, and I wow. not to go off. It's not that kind of podcast about the future of television, but like I think there are laws against this. But the corporation loved the way it was. The corporations that even own streaming networks now, everybody but Netflix, loved the old ways and would love to go back to them. And be, the the more they suck up, the more they have to compete in the streaming landscape. Because the problem with streaming right now is there's too many places to do it, and there's not enough revenue coming in to support the amount of content Netflix has given people the desire for, uh, especially spread across a ton of different demographics. I wouldn't be surprised if a next 10 years from now we're talking about massive corporate mergers Warner and Disney combining together because that's the only way you can compete in a cord cutting landscape and and AI is going to change everything man yeah, probably. I think it's going to be as big as the invention of sound I mean oh there's my. yeah yeah I would love to do a whole show on it but yeah. I have thoughts yeah, me the too. future is going to be crazy yeah wow. I, I was sure- I- Man, you want a good read? The history of cable television. Yeah. Just just the Wikipedia is, is sending me back the, the idea that there were the the first cable system, what we think the of as green, like cable television. 
Oh, it's a lot older than that. It is. It's it's it. I, it's I, like we, fifty. We did it's a whole like nineteen fifty. We did a whole laser a time about it, one. and it's it. I love that it comes about because people in New York couldn't get reception, even though I didn't know this. The Empire State Building is an antenna. It's supposed mm-hmm. to spit signals super far, but if you live in the shadow of it, you get nothing. So the Time Life Network has to try and dig a cable to get these people reception, but it also costs a hundred thousand dollars a square block, like in like the sixties. So like, uh, they have to start charging for it. They can't charge for it unless they're offered something exclusive. And that's how we get the green network, which the, what, listen to that episode. Cause it's like the short history yeah. of cable television. Cause it, uh, but this, sorry, just this article is sending me back. Cause it has a, a picture of a Gerald cable converter box from the late seventies, which was the first kind of cable box that yeah. I had, which is, you have to stand. It's on top of the TV. You have to stand there and press buttons. Yeah. There, there's 10 buttons. It has a wood grain finish, even though it's clearly it's a, a wood sticker. Grain finish. <laughs> and then for the, the next number, then there's a switch. So you switch it up to, oh, now I want the 20s. And then click. And then it's the same buttons again. I didn't have that one. That click. one this is way old. Yeah. Diana. Holy shit. I, I am incredibly old. Don't you understand? Holy shit. But yeah, that's why I was bringing up cables fucked in like, but I have yeah. the solution. Yeah. The solution is fuck Comcast. Like get yeah. them out of the market. They have they have priced cable television into something completely unfeasible for young people. Uh, it'll never find more adopters ever again. Uh, streaming networks are now licensing off their exclusive content to other people. Amazon's making the next Batman show because HBO, who owns Batman, didn't want it. Uh, it, it's just such a crazy landscape out there. And that's what I like about 30, 2010. Wow. We're probably going wow. off on too much of a modern tangent, but like how much shit changes and why it changes and what do we actually fucking want? And if you haven't watched videos like Conan O'Brien eats fried chicken and crashes his car, AI is scary as shit. Uh, <laughs> oh man. You, you want to know something amazing though? Variety has an article this week saying cord cutting hits all-time high in the first quarter. U.S. pay TV subscriptions are the lowest since 1992. Yeah. And I, wow. I, right I, now. Yeah. I pointed to a quote in a laser time we did about channel drift and why, you know, MTV can't show music videos anymore, essentially. But, like, a, the Paramount executive were like, it, a, two years ago, was like, we will, for the first time, we will offer fewer channels. There's always been more channels mm-hmm. on cable and you are going to see less. And like, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> There's, whenever I go through my dad's cable, like I just wanted to watch fucking Bob's Burgers. Why is there 900 channels here? You cannot utilize all these. It's moving on, moving on to games. There's so many sports channels. Yeah. I don't want any of them. None of them. And there's so many no, Christian you... music stations. Am I paying for this? <sighs> Why am I paying for this? <laughs> don't make me pay for this. Um, and then moving on to 2013 games, because this was rare. The, that Fast and Furious had become such a fucking franchise juggernaut, it required a game. <laughs> Not a very good game. Most of it is, I think it has events from all of the movies, but the most exciting ones are clearly the Bank Vault sequence from 5. But uh, yeah. I think this is delisted. You can't play it, but we have a stream of it on youtube.com slash laser time. It was, was out on every platform, but good luck finding a Wii U copy. Call of Juarez, the interesting first person series from uh, Ubisoft, but it, again, it's like it is totally different every time. Gunslinger, I think, is this the last one? Um, but it's out on PC, uh, PS3, and 360. The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing for PC and XBLA. <laughs> it should be called it should be called public domain shareware. 
You don't even play as Van Helsing in this game. <laughs> what? You play as his son. What? Okay. Why? Why would wait, you do that? Wait, was he mother? Was he married to his mother? Are you technically a Van Helsing too? Because he's your dad. Oh boy. Ooh, you're not boy. the yeah. Van Helsing. You're a Van Helsing. I. I, I like to think they're young Frankensteining it, and he's like, no, my name is Von Hilsung. <laughs> yes, and this is the modern day. Uh, and finally, uh, a game, because this rarely happens, a game port of a thing I didn't love, Donkey Kong Country Returns, comes to 3DS where I devoured it. It turns out, this old school format, the Metroid Prime guys making a... <sighs> return to form for Donkey Kong Country, which wasn't something I was super nostalgic for, worked way better for me on 3DS. Yeah, they are priming the pumps for Donkey Kong uh, Tropical Freeze next year Mm -hmm. because they really want that to become a franchise. And yeah, I have thoughts on that when we talk about it next year. Yeah, but kind of a great series, but it's just like, it's too throwbacky to want to spend... $60 $60 on it on my shitty Nintendo console, but it was perfect, bite-sized and enjoyable for the 3DS, I thought, for the train ride home. And I'm trying to look it up. I believe this 10 years ago, the last significant Donkey Kong game. Yeah. That really? I think ever sold. Yeah. It's kind of weird to think about because um, I love that guy. Uh, I love Donkey Kong a lot. I, the best thing about the Mario movie is Seth Rogen Donkey Kong. I hope he gives the eulogy at my funeral. Uh, and then another rare book. What do we got here, JR? Uh, we have The Fall of Arthur by Jer Tolkien. Poor Dudley, Dudley um, Moore. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Fall of Arthur, not in the 60s, not in the 50s, what? not in the 40s. What? He wrote it and he abandoned it in 1934. Cowboy times? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's been dead for 40 years. Wow. Yes. So uh, it was mentioned a couple of times in the various uh, Tolkien retrospectives. It was like he did this thing, but they finally just went, you know, anything with his name on it will sell like a million copies. Mm. Let's just finish the sucker. So it's a alliterative uh over 1000 verses imitating old english beowulf meter in modern english inspired by the high medieval arthurian fiction <sighs> that sounds unenjoyable okay. it sounds like something you would get for christmas and never read <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason why this was released pretty much and with okay. that but yeah, Ooh, yeah, I, I, I do want to know if this is the biggest gap between <laughs> something being written and something becoming a bestseller. Huh? Didn't that uh, To Kill a Mockingbird person have something come out? Yeah, that's no, the this, first this one beats I it. Of. Really? Wow. This beats it. Yeah, okay. th- 1934 to 2013. Yeah. Huh. Gosh. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Clearly, you haven't read Shakespeare. She's all that. And but uh, <laughs> and and look, we're almost done with the show. But find me another one out there that transitions so seamlessly 
from a portable Donkey Kong game into the last book by J.R.R. Tolkien. It is part of our <laughs> format. We could not do anything else. Uh, but yes, with that out of the way, patreon.com slash time. Help support us. Help to support the show. Could use your help keeping up maintenance, getting everybody paid. Uh, free stuff's coming your way. Or not free stuff. Incentivizing stuff's coming your way. Five bucks is what we're asking for. You give more, give more, give less, give less. Give none. Well, I got nothing to say to you. Your criticism is not valid. Uh, it's like going into a restaurant and yelling about food. You didn't pay for it. I, don't, <laughs> I had a to-go box of something someone else bought. No. We will not take <laughs> Diana just winced at my justification there. I'm winging it and trying to close about. the show. Uh, Diana, where can folks find you? They can find me for no on Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. It's 302010podcast. Coming up next week, an even bigger week than this week. And oh, this was a pretty me. big week. Oh. Let's talk about people we've mentioned during the show that will be appearing next week. We talked about Woody Harrelson. He's going to be a magician, and there's going to be some switcheroos. <laughs> we talked about an animated movie that uh. wasn't Pixar. We're going to talk about a Pixar one, and we're going to just keep swimming, just keep oh, swimming. Boy. And finally, oh, good Lord, we have a hell of a week next week for 1993. Um, Rambo is going to climb a goddamn mountain. And, oh, look, they made a movie out of the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, mm. also, we are going to have the most overhyped Spider-Man villain of all time. Mm. We are going to mm. start the whitest season of The Wire. and the tv series everyone wanted to come back will come back and everyone will be disappointed stop it oh i'm gonna Uh, i wasn't disappointed um cannot wait to talk about that and uh i should plug uh Video Game Apocalypse starring Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Paras, and Maddie Allen. Uh, We're going to be talking about a ton of Zelda stuff. So if you enjoyed our reference drops, we have all played cumulatively at least 100 hours of it. So we'll have a lot to say. And and we're talking about people who have special arms in honor of Zelda. And a little bit of news, a little bit of magazine type stuff. Anyway, die who died. Oh, in 1993, we lost a, a truly great inventor, Max Klein, who invented paint by numbers. He was 77. Wow. That's something. Oh. Does that even still? It's a phrase I hear all it the totally time in exists. criticism. Yeah. But I haven't buy it. I, I bought it for my daughter. I haven't yeah. seen the actual <laughs> thing in so long. Yep. It's meditative. And I got it because I wanted to do something to cool down. And I found that my old man eyes cannot do it. That's why you got to be a fucking adult, <laughs> JR, and buy some Legos. <laughs> so that's, that is the uh, modern day millennial Zen garden. <laughs> Putting together a nostalgic Lego set. That, that does sound kind of nice. It anyway, is. in 2013, we also lost Ray Manzarek, who was 74. He's the reason the doors sound different than everyone else, because they've got an organ player. I think we should talk. I guess technically it's a keyboard. It's an electric organ. I don't know. Just, yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think we should talk to Ubisoft about a campaign just because I want to see you can't spell Rayman Zarek without Rayman. And then it just has his non-existent (laughs) arm around him. Anyway, moving on to the what, JR? The birthday quiz. Born time. Born time. Birthday quiz. Born. Born. May 25th, 1963, so turning 
60 years old, born in Scarborough, Ontario. His parents were English immigrants from the Old Swan area of Liverpool. Okay, I got it. So, (laughs) uh, this guy was in... Never mind. Okay. He was talking to Kevin Klein this episode. That a clip I could not get in time. So if I tell you a single movie he was in, you'll instantly get it. I was obsessed so, with this person, and I know ev- I have, a lot about it. I have okay. a pretty good idea of, of who it is. Is it a All Canadian right, just, who? Can I just can I ask? Is yeah. it a Canadian who who likes to do p- particular British accents? One in particular. Oh, yeah. let, go ahead, uh, Jair. Go ahead. Yeah. All okay. Right. All right. My re- my research is worthless. No, no, no. I'm not okay. saying it. I'm not saying All it. Right. Do it, do it for the listeners. For our listeners at home, the movies he did not get, he oh. was set to play the Who's late drummer Keith Moon. What? In a biopic, but that oh. project crumbled. Good. Oh, that could have been interesting. He was planned to star in Marvin the Martian. As yes. a live-action CGI hybrid. Wow. He was okay. also planning to play Pepe Le Pew in another live-action CGI Timeless. hybrid film. That was a mistake. They should never <laughs> have thought of Yeah. The uh, Max Landis was set to serve as writer. And mm. when he was accused by multiple women of sexual assault, the project ended. Mm. Uh, so he was he, the right guy for the job. He, he <laughs> write what you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, that's uh, out, of sorry. Okay. out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So the final movie that he did not uh, get. Uh, no, never mind. He did get that one. How about he stole uh, his most famous current role from Chris Farley? Yes, and he did, but true. he didn't know ah. it. Yep, uh, until after right. the movie came out. Uh, All right, tell the people. Was, he appeared in a uh, bathtub full of cash in Dave Foley's "The True Meaning of Christmas" specials. He wanted out <laughs> of the Sprockets movie because he felt that the script, which he himself wrote, was not good enough. It's a picky man. Movies of his we have talked about include Wayne's World, Austin Powers 1, Austin Powers the Spy Who Shagged Me, Austin Powers and Goldmember, Shrek, Shrek the Third, Shrek Forever After, The Cat in the Hat, The Love Guru, Surprising Me, Inglorious Bastards? I don't remember him in that. I really don't. He's very made up and has a big mustache. The bastards are behind the lines. And uh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Who is it? Michael. Mike Myers. This is Michael Myers. Uh, Yep. And I, I knew that about his history because I, one, I was obsessed with Mike Myers uh, after Wayne's world. And so I married an ax murderer, but it, to shine a light on the impressions he does and how good he is at European accents. He grew up in like, the English immigrant community of Canada. So not only has all these people talking like Scotsmen and Liverpoolians, he is watching, he's in an immigrant community that is being shown the shows from overseas. So he's, it's why he has a European sensibility and a lot of the stuff he does. If you haven't seen the Pentaveret and most people haven't is because, and why he made Austin Powers because he sort of grew up watching things his immigrant parents were into. And uh, yeah, Kind of amazing story, Mike Myers, and very picky guy. I'm glad he made enough money to like 
I'll do something once every 10 years if I feel like it. If I feel like it. Yes, please don't do a cat in the hat ever again. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, that movie was awful. I don't care. But yeah, no, a guy who's so determined to be like Peter Sellers, he's also sometimes terrible, terrible to be around because he's so fucking specific. Mm. Mm. But uh, yeah, if you want to understand Mike Myers, you should understand Peter Sellers. That That's his idol. And yeah, it That's recently part of why Austin Powers is the way it is. I read a a, a thing about the making of So Married, Married an Action Murderer from the director's perspective, and like, oh, he sucked. Penny of his fears is like he sucked because he's meticulous and like don't mm-hmm. do not do a far along. I don't care about your dolly. Uh, comedy's in my face, and uh, that's where I'll be, that's where I'll be performing. And if you shoot the shot like this, I won't react. Like kind of kind of shit like that. And hey, mm-hmm. results speak for themselves. Uh, yeah, if he were a woman, they would say he was difficult. difficult. Oh, they did. <laughs> and because he's a man, he's a genius. Genius. Mm. Nah, I, uh, I'm being a dick, but no, I. There's a lot of Mike Myers stuff I love. I mean, I I know I've shit on the the Austin Powers sequels, mostly because I love that movie so much. And I love the first one so much. When I saw that first fucking movie, I was like, I don't believe that there is another person out there who gets knows all of these references and wants to share them with the world. What? And if, what? He's wearing the Ipcrest Files glasses. What? And if JR ever says again, comedy sequels don't work, I will point at my Wayne's World 2 poster that I used to have in my room. Works very well and didn't deserve to die there. Not, first one's this kind of beautiful coming of age story for a subsect of youth that barely existed even when the movie came out, but I felt like it could have kept going. Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I would love Ray- Wayne's World three in some way. Oh, yeah. I mean, they did it with uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah, you know, give it hey. to me on Ray- Wayne's World. That's that is the best comedic trilogy that's ever existed. The Bill and Ted trilogy. <laughs> it is. It, it by by far. There's not anybody in a distant second. It's very very good. They're all different flavors, and they all speak to a different issue and are totally different from one another. And mm. with that, I, I got to close up the show because we got to edit this fucking bitch. And I got to. Uh, uh, what's yeah. your bet? Uh-huh. How long is this going to be? Uh, th- mm. Over three hours. Over three That's hours. But right. you know why <laughs> if you've listened to this time. So how about let's just say this. Thanks for listening to the show. Patreon.com slash laser time. We're closing out with Couch Potato by Weird Al, uh, who had the album what, Poodle Hat that came out 20 Poodle years Hat. ago. Uh, yep. And and there was a whole fun thing about like Eminem saying, "Oh yeah, you can parody my song, but don't make a video. If you make a video, I'll kill you." Did he? It's <laughs> like, yeah, there was a whole thing about no, you can't make a video for that though. He's like, what, what are you even talking about? God damn. And then he's like, okay, never mind. Fucking weird out. Shut up. Adhering to artist it's wishes. An honor. An honor to be parodied. And to have Borat's balls in your face. Anyway, moving on. Couch painted by Weird Al Sagan. So Patreon.com slash Laser Time. This is long. We love you. Good night. Show's based on reality. Oh, the humanity. Oh, Aziz family. Show love profanity. Whoa, the insanity. Oh, dog that crap and be home of depravity. No, they live happily. Yo, plus the Ali G show and celebrity mole. Oh, there's Anna Nicole. She's scaring me. Look, mono cavities. Oh, it's a station break. Better go out to the kitchen and microwave something. You're gonna lose your mind watching TV. They told me they told me, but I'm still tuning every show. My cable gets C-SPAN TV, land in HBO. The Travel Channel just got.